This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. I am Rich Lepore. Kevin Schaefer. And we are here about two days after Halloween to do our Halloween catch-up episode. So we recorded a couple times in October, and we have been watching a lot of great stuff. So we've got stuff to talk about today that does relate to Halloween, such as we both saw Halloween. Right. Um, the new um, the Bloom, third Bloom movie called The third movie in that franchise just called Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that was that's definitely something we needed to, to discuss. Um, also... Uh, Haunting of Hill House is making mm-hmm. waves everywhere I go. People are like, "Have you seen Haunting of Hill House?" Oh my god! I put it on to watch one episode, and I've seen five now. Like yeah. that's what everybody says. It's insane the response that show's had. Um, and then the one I'm probably most excited about of all is Titans. Um, this show has taken me completely by surprise and become a must-watch on a weekly basis. And we will talk about why that is. We and just watched an episode before recording today. So we are hyped. And so, um, yeah, we sometimes do that thing where we'll record right after we get out of a movie and just like, let you feel the excitement right, that we right, have. Yeah. Well, this time it's going to be like that, but for the fourth episode of Titans, which just dropped uh, literally today, uh, November 2nd. So without any further ado, we always start off by talking about geek culture news. Um, and that is exactly what we're going to do today. And how are we going to start that off, Kevin? All right, so we're going to start with a couple movie, a couple stories about the upcoming Birds of Prey movie. Okay, which is a DC, I didn't know about this. It's this a DC news. movie that's actually on track to happen. Um, okay, all right. We, there's a director, a screenwriter, a release date, and well, maybe not an exact release date, but 2020. Yeah. Um, and the first story on that is that the director Kathy Yan, who I'm not familiar with. But um, she's confirmed that it is going to be R-rated. Okay, um, which solid. I, th- I mean, I've read a fair amount of Birds of Prey comics. There are different tones to it. I actually, you know, I'm currently going through, I've talked on the show before about the, the Rebirth run. Yeah. Back around the Birds of Prey, which is fantastic. If you've not checked that out, definitely do. That has a more fun, very upbeat tone right, to it. Right, right. Um, but there are, you know, there, and even in then, there's still darker content in there. But this sounds like it's going to be a pretty, I mean, Harley's in it. Um um, they haven't said if it's going to be Barbara or Cassandra Kane, but Batgirl will be in it. Huntress, played by uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead from oh, wow. Cloverfield Lane. Wow. She's the biggest name. In, well, biggest as name. As well as uh, she's from uh, Scott Pilgrim, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's Ramona great. Flowers. Right. Um, the actress for Black Canary I'm not familiar with. I think the more, yeah, I mean, um, not a big name or anything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, another big name has been announced. Um, it was This was just yesterday. Multiple sites broke that Ewan McGregor is in final talks to play Black Mask in the movie. Wow. That would be amazing. These, I think it's become more and more evident as these films have gone on, both on the MCU side and the DCEU. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, um, well, is, is, <laughs> is that villains are essential right, to a right, good movie. Right. As important as the superhero or super team that's taking them down. Um, you know, as good as the MCU has always been, the biggest complaint levied at it was this film has a villain problem. This right. film has a villain problem. And the ones that are really have gotten the highest acclaim are the ones, I, although I don't love it, Civil War mm-hmm. or Black Panther. Right. Films that have a really good villain that yeah. makes sense because they're not just evil. Right. Right. I agree. And 
with this one, I think they can do a lot with it. Like, Black Mask is a really big fan favorite who, it's kind of crazy he hasn't been in a live-action Batman movie yet. Yeah. There's so much potential for that, but... He's so got, I, he's like a mob-type thing, mob right? Like, he runs, he, like, a, a crew. He's a disfigured mobster, uh, and is just genuinely brutal, and I think it will be perfect for this kind of film. Um, you have a lot of strong female characters uniting against the big bad boss, but... I think they can really do a lot with it to show just how much of a psychopath he is. And with an actor like that in the role, I think that's perfect. So, well, let me just I, put it this way. Yeah. Like, I will, I mean, love to see that movie. Yeah. If that movie was coming out tomorrow, I'd just be like, let's get our tickets right this second. Yeah. It's just, it has ingredients that I want to see. It's a lot, of, and I will say another one that I felt sort of like that about, although once I heard all the bad reviews, it faded, was Suicide Squad. Right, right. It's a lot like that, where it's like, boy, I am really interested in seeing how they do Harley Quinn. I'm really interested in seeing how they do such and such. Right. And and, and I'm really interested in seeing Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. You yeah. Know, these are elements that go into the stew, and all of a sudden that stew looks more tasty. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to eat it. And Birds of Prey <laughs> is just such an accessible comic that would work great for a TV or film. Well, that actually, there is an old, like an early 2000s TV show they tried that I don't know if it ever aired all the way on uh, on TV, but um, you can, the whole season is on the DC app. Like, I think they may have shot the pilot. I know, and it's a live on action one. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It looks, it always looked cool. Yeah. It was just one of those shows, um, much like Buffy, that I just didn't get around okay, to, but yeah, it looks yeah. really cool. Yeah. Those yeah. are very different, but in the, in a, some way they're similar. You know, right, it's right. kind of, yeah. Right. But Birds of Prey, it's just a cool concept. It's accessible. What is the concept, just for people that don't know? It's basically a team of DC heroines teaming up together. So the most popular um, lineup Configuration. Is, yeah, is Batgirl, Huntress, and Black Canary. So um, some of them, some of those are, you know, generally more traditional superheroes. Others are more anti-heroes. And they bring a lot to the table. And, like, in the... Um, I'm reading a current trade right now from Background the Birds of Prey. And it actually has, like, all the women of the DC Universe teaming up. Like, villains included. Mm-hmm. So, like, Harley's yeah. on there. Catwoman, etc. I wonder um, if we'll see any of that going on in this film. I think it's very possible. Yeah. I mean, they like, they haven't really announced the full lineup. But, I mean, Harley's in it. So, I mean, yeah. uh, there's just a lot of potential. And regardless of all the just messiness of the DCU and continuity problems and whether we have a Superman and Batman in there right now. Right, um, yeah. I think this is uh, has potential to be a nice standalone, sort of set its own um, course for a franchise. Yeah. Um, so it's very exciting. So I'm really excited about that one. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of... And this is the thing, and we'll talk more about the DC, um, you know, uh, universe app. Right. And it's three shows. Right, right. But what's really striking about it, and we'll talk about it when we talk about Doom Patrol and Hawk and Dove and the, you know, the Titans. Sure. Um, is that they are getting a ton of mileage out of, you know, B and C list characters in a really good way. Right. Um, and I'm not calling, I'm not calling Robin a, a, you know, a C list character, but, you know, Doom Patrol is not on the, you know, the A team. No. You know, they are no. not a draw yet. Much like Iron Man wasn't a draw yet. I mean, and they're, Swamp Thing, Star Girl. Right. I mean, yeah, they are building yeah. these characters up in a wonderful way. And I love that because they're finally realizing, man, we have all these cool tools in the shed. Right. We need to bring them out. And I love that Jeff Johns, it feels like Jeff Johns is kind of like the spearhead of that. And I love that. I yeah. love that concept. They're like, we have nobody knows about Doom Patrol. We need to fix that. Yeah. Doom Patrol's awesome. Um, and so I think the more they, they delve into that kind of stuff, uh, the more interesting the DCEU gets. And 
no Batman, no Superman. We already had terrible Batman and Superman movies. They're <laughs> yeah, already they're, they're yeah. right. Well, no, yeah. I'm talking about DCEU. Yeah, 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 yeah specifically. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, Justice League and 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 Bat- BVS are what we have for Batman, right? Um, yeah, I mean that's it, right? Yeah. And so, and then also um, Superman. You know, those two as well as. Um, well, yeah, as well as Man of Steel, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we have of those characters, and none of it worked, really. Yeah, yeah. I know you like the Justice League's okay, but I mean, essentially, they're none of them are awesome. No, no, you know, it, it's far from the original Superman or Christopher Nolan's Batman, etc. Right. Now, that said, you know, Wonder Woman is definitely an A-list character, right. and they're killing it with her. Right. But their two biggest, you know, aces in the hole are, you know, not not very present right now, and I'm cool with it. I don't, I actually don't mind either, just because. We've had good adaptations of those before. Everyone knows those characters. So well. And it's kind of like Spider-Man. Like, right. I, we don't want the origin anymore. Right. And in fact, I know so much about Spider-Man that, of course, it's fun to, you know, retread all of it or go in new directions like the game recently did. Sure. But the more I get characters I don't know about, it's just so much more interesting. No, it is. Yeah. And I think audiences will respond to that when you give them a chance to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So that movie is scheduled for sometime in 2020. I don't know exactly when, right. but... Um, but but it's happening. It's, it's happening. Not a, I mean, it's not know, a date. It's not one they announced with no director, no cast, no writer. Like they have all three of those, so that's exciting. Um, this is a kind of smaller one. I just thought was cool. Um, yeah. So the Overlord movie coming out. Um, so first off, it's actually been getting the the zombie World War Two. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. No, I heard it's getting good reviews. So it's actually gotten good reviews. Which like, I mean, I mean, it looked like just a fun pulpy one, but it's, they, people are actually saying it's like uh, critics included are saying it's really fun. Um, the director of that is now set to helm a Flash Gordon reboot for okay. Fox. All right. I think that's right. Oh, oh I mean, for, Fox for Fox film yeah. or TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Fox okay. film. Yeah, yeah. Um, which a Flash Gordon reboot movie has been in the talk, in talks for years and years. Matthew could go Vaughn. Either way, was, man. Oh, yeah. Matt, oh, I could very well go either way, but I'm a big fan of um, the 80s version uh, with Sam J. Jones. I mean, it's just super pulpy fun. Um, it's actually Alec comic artist Alex Ross favorite movie of all time um, and there's definitely ways to do it with a modern sensibility while still retaining the classic aspects of the character apparently that show Lost in Space did a good job of that although I never yeah, saw it yeah I a similar pilot. concept yeah, yeah that's a good one too really but good example modern version Haunting yeah. of Hill House another one modern yeah. version of something that's classic exactly but still uh, has sort of that, that, that classic feeling right it has like the the ingredients there and then all the traits but right but very modern, modern context, right. exactly um so that sounds cool i mean no details at all he's just been tapped to cool matthew vaughn has been a, was attached to that project for a while and then ended up you know making more kings and movies and all that mm-hmm. um but that i would be more than down for so that's cool. and that actually convinces me to go see overlord because when we saw that trailer we were like uh, that'd be a f- i mean maybe on netflix yeah, but yeah i'm not maybe gonna go Redbox, out of my way right. to see that and people are saying it's actually really good so Interesting. I, well, on a side note, Kingsman Two has soured for me so much since seeing it. Like, okay, you know how yeah. usually we talk about like how movies have to marinate and right. you have to sort of feel how they are long term. Uh-huh. I had a good time when we left that movie. Right, and I was right. like, well, this was fun. 
the more and more I remember it, only the bad things can I remember. Yeah. Like, I remember right. Poppy, and I just hate her. Right, I remember you. Um, yeah, and, yeah. But, I mean, I really, now I hate her more. Okay, you know, yeah. and, I, and I just think of the different scenes in that movie, and I just like the American version of the Kingsman, and I just don't like them. And I, it's just one of those weird examples. I just felt compelled okay. just now to say, like, that movie has not grown on me well. Okay, interesting. How about you? You still feel about the same as you did before? Um, I'm trying to think. Cause, I mean, I only saw When you once. think about Watchmen 2, when I think, do you uh, think, you like, Kingsman I mean, King's, sorry, Kingsman 2. Watchmen 2. <laughs> um, be cool yeah that, kingsman yeah. too um yeah it's still about the same like i don't love it or hate it uh, okay but yeah cool. i didn't really hate poppy as much i thought it was kind of an interesting concept mm-hmm. i mean which she wasn't like terribly interesting or anything but so but it was kind ludicrous, of ludicrous it was very ludicrous but yeah. i mean i mean i get it it's kingsman but right? that's the thing when i go into a matthew vaughn mark millar movie i'm expecting over the top ridiculousness okay. throughout right. so i don't know i but, hear you cool yeah um i'm just curious to see the spirits, how the spirits right. grab me to, to talk about that's fair that. yeah I'm curious to see how they'll make a third one because that is in the works. Oh, but, wow. um, but I don't know. I mean, he likes playing with those. Th- I mean, Matthew Vaughn just loves Mark Millar stuff. So it, I mean, hey, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does any of the Netflix stuff. That, I was just gonna I mean, say yeah, that. I'm yeah. so glad you read my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like I would not be surprised at all if right. he moves on to Netflix properties and does a show next sure. or something. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, so that's a cool little story there. Um, and then the next one is just. Want to talk about all the Netflix? What well, I was going to say, per- perfect segue. Um, speaking of Netflix, uh, I think the first one that I have to pour one out for is American Vandal. Yeah. So I I got surprise hit with this because the show has been doing so well critically, um, and and you know I thought really well with audiences. Yeah. And the first season did do really well with audiences. Well, season two dropped, and season two is, in my opinion, in pretty much every way, it's maybe not quite as funny, but in every other way, it's like where one is a nine, this one's a ten. Like you know, it, you know, no, you raved about it on. It's so episodes. good, yeah, yeah. and when it culminates, it culminates in this brilliant way where it concludes all the subjects and it makes a statement, and it's just brilliant. And so it's a show that exists on on at least two planes, more like four planes, but at least on the plane of here is a show that's entertaining as could be to watch. And here is a show that is making like an emotional impact and a statement. The problem is, season two started with a 35-minute shit fest. Yeah. It (laughs) is nothing but middle and high schoolers shitting themselves. All even saying this is gross. Yeah. All over the school. So I have tried to get people to watch this season two, and they turned it on for three minutes and turned it right off. Right. And if I didn't know how great season one was, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. So I think. But well, do you think it was really that? Like, I mean, because I, I know the premise of it, but like, do you think if they had just caught that a little, that might have? Uh, I think it would have helped a lot yeah, if they yeah. talked about the brownout, but they didn't show so yeah, much. Yeah. Copious. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is gross, and I get they were making a point, but if that's your pilot. It, it's just, it, it was so off-putting for so many yeah. people. I think that hurt it. I think the fact that it's not as funny hurt it. Um, it just hasn't done, apparently, as well in right. the viewing. Um, that said, that show's not expensive to make. No, it's um, yeah, and, yeah. And Funny or Die is behind it, and they actually are shopping it to other places, so I have faith that it'll come back. Either way, it's not the kind of show where you bemoan its passing where because it, it, it has like this ongoing narrative, because it doesn't. Right, it's an um, so anthology. I, there are two series. perfect seasons of that show that you can watch either one of them first and they I, I the second one's even better than the first you're only going to watch one but you know 
that's fine. I'm okay sure. with it. I, sure. you know, and also, how many times are you going to have a mockumentary about vandalism at school, right? You know, maybe when they sure. do bring out season three, it's something else. It's these kids investigating a murder. They've grown up. They're in college, and they're taking it to the next level. Who knows what? Um, but there's a lot that they can do with that, and, and you know, I'm okay with it ending. I, I think it's tragic only in so much as it shows that. People don't love that show as much as I love that show. And that well, is upsetting. It's one of those kind of like cult things like, uh, I mean, for instance, Freaks and Geeks, one of my favorite shows of all time. Sure, sure. Got canceled after one season. They didn't even air the whole season back when it was Which on is the just, air. I mean, that it's show has led to like every famous comedian <laughs> in right, movies right. today. Exactly. And director and writer. Everybody on that show has like a golden, a gilded career. Right. Now. And, and I think like, to, well, because what I was going to say is like, Today, its fan base has skyrocketed because it's on Netflix. It's been there for a while. Other people have discovered it long since then. But back when it was airing, it had a very small, super devoted fan base. That, right. And so, like, it was one of those that did not hit mainstream success. But everyone, they were, like, there were no casual fans of it. If you were a Freezing Geek fan, you were watching it religiously, talking about it, etc. And that's kind of, like, what I get from the American fan yeah. fan bases. It's like that. I mean, yeah, you read but, yeah. the reviews of it, and they're just like, oh, my God, right. the second season is absolute, like, masterpiece of right. the film. It is one of the few shows I have, you know, always been a... Not a not an opponent of binge watching because you know you do you and I love the concept of it. But for me, I have trouble watching more than one or two episodes at a time. It's just very hard for me to do for a number of reasons. Well, and you um, don't get to absorb it as much when you you don't binge. you don't. I mean, I think there's a lot of downsides to it. There are also upsides because you know it it's almost a different art form. Yeah, um, and I get that, but. You know, I and, and on that point, I think my enjoyment of the first season of Daredevil was increased a lot by seeing it in one chunk of seven and then another chunk yeah. of mm-hmm. eight. And I think that that second chunk of eight was so much better because I didn't have the fatigue of watching them, you know, fumble around for those first seven episodes. Yeah. When I jumped into eight, I was like, wow, this show's good right now. Right, right. Um, as opposed to needing all that time. And I still had it in the back of my head. So there's a lot of advantage. What is cool about binging on the, on the flip side is you get to make those decisions about how you want to consume the show, um, which is which is cool. But anyway, um, this is the one of the few shows that I could not stop watching. Mm. Now I don't. That's not to say that I watched it as a binge, except like it was over a couple days. Like I'd watch one or two each day, but like every single day I had to watch it. You know what I mean? Like right. until it was done. Right. And so I don't feel compulsive about shows very often, even remarkable shows like first season of Fargo that show is so good so addictive so compelling so brilliantly written but even that like it took me a long time to watch it um I just don't binge so sure so on that note yeah Netflix has started canceling what else several back to back so we talked about Iron Fist on the last episode yeah um and went into a little speculation there but then a week later like I guess a few days after we recorded that episode Luke Cage gets canceled um, very surprising. Which was, no, it was very, like, I mean... And Iron Defenders Fist, is clearly not coming back. Right, too. right. Um, and, I mean, even with Daredevil's popularity and Jessica Jones, like, they're still up in the air. I mean, with all this going on, because now that's really half that side of the universe that's out. Um, but, You're I don't gonna know. You're going to say I, Iron Fist? What? You're going to say something about Iron Fist before you interrupted? Uh... No, I well, I just read like one article about like asking, you know, where I think it was Screen ran it, tried to talk yeah. to people to ask why. What do you? Th- what, did, what 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 was the takeaway? Basically, just numbers in terms of dropped from season one to season two. Both did drop significantly, um, and so even though like like Iron Fist, for instance, did better critically than season one, 
but there was such a huge drop in viewership from season one to season two that that was a big point. Same with Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, you know. Um, but, I mean, I still think the Disney streaming service has a big part in, in it because now Disney and Netflix are kind of competitors. They're trying to move. I don't know. That's that's personal. I think, like, a little... They, well, no, no. I think that that is a factor, but I think that I people think that are going that, so far... Right. Definitely. People that are going so far as to say that... Like, I saw a tweet. And the reason yeah. I gave you that face just now, I saw a tweet, and it said... Um, uh, Disney to or no Marvel or whatever Marvel to Netflix. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, I think we should cancel Luke Cage and um, uh, Iron Fist. Um, and then it says nine months later, um, Heroes for Hire with Iron Fist right. and, and, and yeah, uh, so that's uh, premieres on Disney right uh, on demand. I don't see that happening. Now I could be very wrong, mm. and we have it on tape, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I do not foresee them doing any of that. I don't know. You know, we talk a lot about these deals because they're interesting. We like going into the inside baseball of it all. A lot of people do. Of what do the deals look like? So that that one of the most interesting ones to talk about was the Spider Man deal that got in right. with Marvel and and how he sort of is is sort of Marvel, but I mean MCU Marvel and sort of not. Um, sort of Fox, you know, it's it's it's, it's co-owned, and, and then how that changed with different buyouts and and all of that kind of stuff. Those are interesting conversations. I don't know how the Marvel Netflix deals are are inked. Yeah. Um, we don't know if it's pot. Like, let's say, okay, I'll give you a great question that I have is a total gray area. Luke Cage and um, Iron Fist. If they were going to do Heroes for Hire, could it be the same actors? Is that allowed? You know, just I mean, we don't even know anything as yeah, fundamental as that. Um, do, do those rights of that franchise I don't just mean Iron Fist as a concept or as a book but the franchise that was created with these characters and these plot lines and you know is that revert back to Marvel completely or yeah. or is that like Netflix owns that part of the IP I don't know how that works but I will say that it'll be interesting to see what type of Marvel TV shows they put on now also though if those deals are lucrative enough they may just continue doing Netflix for the sh- for those shows. They have so much other stuff to go on the Disney service. Plus, I would much rather. Hadn't we heard the Disney service is going to be more family oriented? No, it's very family oriented, and that's the thing. My, that was my fear. Like, I really don't want Daredevil going to that service because they could never do it the way they were. And that was like I re I looked into like on that note looked into some of back when they started this because like originally Drew Goddard was going to do a Daredevil movie. And, you know, basically Disney, MCU were like, you know, if we're going to make a Daredevil movie, it'd have to be PG-13, it'd have to be more a huge budget, aliens and all this stuff. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not the one I want to do. And eventually came to work out to do a TV show. And that's how they, you know, they followed the model, did it on Netflix. That worked great. But now, since the deals and licenses have changed for, and just to share, I mean, you know, Disney's moving away from Netflix It'll be interesting, but I really hope. I mean, because it's the perfect home for all. They of should those. just keep okay. them there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I Jessica agree. Jones and Daredevil and and Punisher is essentially what we have now. Right, and those shows should just stay there. I agree. I don't. I mean, that's perfect. It's yeah, a perfect home for them. Right. Um, we'll see how that goes, but I'll tell you one thing: it's going to take a long time for Disney to build up the viewership and the and the subscriber base that's that the Netflix thing. Yeah. has. I mean, yeah. you're not yeah. going to get that kind of penetration. Not and right if away. their deal has something to do with money per view or. You know, or or just the simple fact that it's doing wonders for the Marvel brand. You know what I mean? All of these things are really valuable right. to Marvel Disney. So right. anyway, right. it's interesting to speculate about. We'll see what happens. But let, uh, back on the subject of sure. actual cancellations, 
those two shows being canceled, like I'm, I don't even think you saw Luke Cage season two. Nah. So there's nah. a great example. We host a podcast about geek culture. True. We, especially you, love Marvel Netflix shows, and you have not watched Luke at Luke Cage season two. You have not watched uh, Iron Fist past the first episode of yeah. one or two. True. And you watch everything. You know what I mean? Like true. That you're part of the problem. "Quote unquote problem." Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. not a problem, but what I'm right, saying right. is, like, from a from a Netflix's perspective of you know these shows being successful, yeah, hardcore people don't even want to watch it, let alone casuals. Although I will say, on the flip side of that, I did notice that a lot of casual viewers did like, for example, Iron Fist. I was talking to people; they were like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, man, it's just another Marvel series. I liked it just as much." Like people that are more casual. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Um, I I was just like taken aback, and I didn't even decide to argue because I was just like, "Yeah, that if that's what you think, like this conversation's kind of like." Sure. Let's move on. Sure. Um, anyway, what else has been canceled? Oh, those were the big three. This, but this year though, there were quite like it seems like so this many year cancellations. Were, yeah. Um, well, House of Cards, obviously, but yeah. Um, uh, Dan Orange's New Black too. Like that's getting after. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, that's getting that's getting one more. It has one more season. This to go. Fi- in twenty nineteen is okay, going to be yeah. their final hurrah. Right. Um, um what's that? Uh, Marco Polo. Um, that ran two seasons, I think. Oh, that was a while um, back, but yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, yeah. Well, I know, but like ones that have been canceled this year, though. I was thinking, like, I yeah, think that well, was this year. No, Marco Polo, no. Uh, okay, no, that's okay. like two years ago at least. Marco okay, Polo was a okay. long time ago. But that's okay. Um, but there, there's there been a lot of stuff that was canceled. But anyway, what I was going to say before Bloodline was one this year, I think. No that? man, you're 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 like two years back. Man. Okay, I'm sorry. I read some some article I read. Okay, you mind. must have yeah. been looking at like two years back because Bloodline season three was the last season and it was like two years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I promise. Because only because I know those particular shows. That's a, yeah. No, I was um, just throwing out ones that have. Been yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, okay. Here's the list. Here, one second. I'm pulling it up because right, cool. this is I, when I saw this. I was just like, wow, this is insane. Yeah. All of these shows that. Okay, so. Um, the Expanse, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Netflix's um, uh, excuse me, The Expanse, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Lucifer all got new homes. Right. Um, designated Survivor got repicked up, and Timeless is coming back for an epic. Um, they say two parts. By the way, I'm looking at IGN just for sure, accreditation sure. here. Um, okay, so here's the list. Um, I'm just gonna run through American Vandal. Let's see here, because these are interesting. Um, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Voltron. Is done on Netflix, okay, yeah, so that's yeah. interesting. Orange is the New Black after seven seasons. It ends in season seven in 2019. Animals on HBO, which is like a weird animated show. Nathan for You after four seasons. Um, the Deuce on HBO, that's gone. Okay. Um, so, but but it's ending with season three. A lot of shows are doing that now. They're like, okay, we're going to... Because, you know, a big part of streaming seasons. rights are important, yeah, right? Yeah, and so yeah. they need to have it in their catalog closed out. You yeah, don't want to yeah, yeah. do two seasons of The Deuce and then... You know, tell them, hey, stop making the show. We don't have an ending. You right, know what I mean? It's like right. Deadwood. They're now that also got announced recently. They're doing a movie finally to close out. Oh yeah, that I out, didn't see that. Yeah, which yeah. is great. Which is great. Steve Harvey, I guess. Steve. Um, I'm dying up here on Showtime, which is a show I never wanted to check out. Diet Land on AMC. Outcast. That died quick. Oh wow, was that? Yeah, two, two seasons. seasons yeah, two seasons yeah. on Cinemax here, and then elsewhere it was on another. I think it was some BBC or. Whatever, Big Bang Theory is ending because they want to. Poldark on BBC One is ending because they want to. Um, Mr. Robot, this was a big one. I knew oh, there was something right. we needed yeah. to talk about. So Mr. Robot is ending on season four. And so here's the deal. Originally, we had heard from S-Mail. Um, I saw Rami Malek on uh, the, uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon last night, uh-huh. so I heard him talking about this. But essentially, um, S-Mail came out with a statement very recently and said, 
when we were in there breaking season four, we realized that this is the end of Elliot's yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and that's fine with me. Yeah. I mean, we, you I, know, mean, I, I, mean, I need for, to get back to season three. For a heavy anyway. auteur show like that, four seasons seems perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think originally the thought was like, five. Yeah. I'll take four sure. all day. Sure. Especially that cha- that show changes so much from season to season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's not really that significant. Um, anyway, Homeland is over. That's big. After eight seasons, final season next year. Um, Joel McHale's show died before it started. That was crazy. I yeah, love yeah. that show too, man. Yeah, I was I so disappointed. You about it, yeah. it was really good. Roseanne, of course, we know. Hard Son on AMC. Shooter, my boy. Oh, my right. boy. So when we <laughs> talked about this before, um, I had mentioned that Ryan Phillippe was um, the show was canceled, and I was upset. And it, I think I said it was two seasons. It actually got three. Okay. Which is pretty impressive for him, man. Everything he touches turns to like dust. Unfortunately, <laughs> Designated Survivor was saved. Transparent went off for reasons on set. Chance on Hulu. Um, that's that that it's basically House, but he's like a some. You remember that one? It's Hugh Laurie, but like he's doing yeah, something he, different. Yeah. I forget okay. what it was. It's basically House continued okay, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The Exorcist. Jordan friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- co-host Jordan um, would was really into that. Um, yeah. I don't know if he finished the second season, but um, Deception. I was bummed, but even I didn't finish the last two of those last man on earth. That's kind of big. Okay. That show lost steam though. It really did. Okay. Um, life sentence on the CW. I never saw that. The mayor on ABC about like, uh, yeah. Um, taken on NBC. <laughs> I'm amazed at that. Va- va- right. <laughs> Valor. Oh yeah. That was, um, taken was two seasons, man. That stupid show. I tried to watch the pilot just because it was so crazy. I just can't believe I'm, like, I never, when I saw the first taken movie in theaters, would I have thought that, let alone that would be a movie trilogy and then a TV show. I'm like, really? I will never get tired of people talking about um, airline. What was that one, Neeson one that about planes, commuter, or whatever? Oh, was that the commuter? It, it might have been. It was but, like a train. It was a train one or something. Uh, maybe, but he but, does like a different. Concept but I love the same. Movie, uh, I always called nonstop. I think. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah on yeah, a plane, yeah, 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 but yeah. I love everybody calls that takes on a uh, takes on a plane, and I love that. <laughs> I just think I'll never get tired of hearing that being called <laughs> takes on a plane. Somebody's very clever. John Plaud Van Johnson is dead. Versailles on BBC. Not that we watched that. Seven seconds. This is interesting on. Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was actually um, the like. The person who did uh, the killing made a new show, much more politically and racially charged, um, but about you know someone uh, who dies and, and you know minority murder and and all of the drama and politics that grew up around that. Mm. It was sort of a, a a mix between that American Crime show that was on TV, you know, that was all about like the politics around crime, one crime per season. I think okay, there were yeah. three seasons. Anyway, um, this show just didn't find an audience, right? Which is, and I, I didn't watch it, so there you go. Um, Broad City is ending after five seasons. Um, Kevin probably saves the world. Don't know what that is, but you're awesome, Kevin. <laughs> Rise. Um, that was one that a lot of people wanted to see do kind of well because it was the comeback of the dude from How I Met Your Mother. Um, it was his new the, show. Josh Ratner? Yes. Okay. It was his new show. Oh, he was cool. playing like this talent, like, I guess, drama director. It was kind okay. of like a, a new glee. My um, brother's girlfriend said that he guest starred on uh, Grey's Anatomy recently. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. He needs to do something, man. Um, the Path, that ended on Hulu. Now, I don't know if that has an ending or not. That's the one with Aaron Paul from uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the dude, dude from Hannibal. See, he's going to be in Westworld Season 3. Did I did that? not see yeah. that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. But anyway, The Path seems pretty interesting. Um, I want to watch more of it. I watched like the first episode or two. Okay. Um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend finally ending on CW. That, that I can't believe it lasted four oh, wow. seasons. Yeah. That was a musical. I Love Dick, which is just a totally misguided Kevin Bacon vehicle on oh, wow. um, Amazon. Okay. Um, great news on NBC. Don't know what that is. Disjointed on Netflix. There's another Netflix cancellation. That right. show was a disaster. From It's Kathy Bates running a weed store. 
Like, no thanks. Okay. A, I don't like Kathy Bates anymore. Nothing wrong with her personally, but just there's nothing I watch. I'm like, yeah, Kathy Bates. <laughs> and then Disjointed is just, oh, what a disjointed show. <laughs> um, Quantico, um, that was an interesting show. I watched the first couple episodes of that. It's like a, it's like take revenge and like make it about like students at Quantico and like you have that show okay. basically. It's three seasons. The Mick on Fox. Um, the librarians on TNT. That was a takeoff of oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, you remember yeah, that yeah. sci-fi action? Yeah. Um, there's so many. I, this is really interesting. Okay, um, one Mississippi. That was an Amazon show starring her. You remember her? Um, I forget her oh, name. Yeah. She's a comedian. Um, anyway, uh, here and now, which was that really misguided HBO show that came out. That was like, mm. it was like, it was from the guy who did True Blood, and the idea was that it was a uh, like um, magical realism meets television. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that was going to fly. And, like, yeah. Yeah. supposedly some people liked it, but anyway. The Crossing. This one I'm disappointed about because I actually thought that had a lot of potential. The idea is, like, this boat of refugees shows up and they're like, Where are you guys from? And they're like, We're from Earth in the future. And the guy's like, What? And it's like lost ish. Okay. Um, anyway, that, that failed before I got a chance to watch it. Ash versus Evil Dead got three yeah, seasons. Apparently, it got an ending, kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's a great show. Definitely should watch it. All right. Yeah. Superior Donuts, um, Once Upon a Time, seven seasons. That's a big ending because that show was. I can't believe it lasted as long as it did, quite frankly, because mm. it lost steam and, and regrouped like four times. Yeah. Jordan would always talk about that. Alex Incorporated, a sitcom. The Expanse obviously went to Prime for season four. Beautiful. It's a gorgeous show that I need to watch more of. Um, the Inhumans. I actually saw that. Remember? In a theater. Yeah, I went yeah. to the theater to watch the pilot, and <laughs> there they, wasn't even the full pilot. It can was you like a, that? It, it was a shorter version that they put in. Theaters. They literally made me pay fifteen dollars for a ticket to watch a TV show on a big screen. I went just because it was such a novel thing, and then they didn't even show me one. Oh episode of television yeah they had to edit it yeah They're, that's crazy it's like the worst everything about that show is so misguided right down to medusa's hair yeah um which they cut off real quick yeah. because they didn't want to have to deal with animating it i guess brooklyn 99 um five seasons went to nbc where right. it probably should have started we've talked about that 10 days in the valley kira sedgwick vehicle um the brave on nbc um that I've is yeah some down. kind of yeah. some kind of action show we're, we're uh three-fourths done now um Nine JKL, some kind of sitcom I never saw. Um, Scorpion, that was actually pretty decent. That was one of the procedurals I actually kind of watched um, for like maybe six or seven episodes. But I mean, whatever. There's like four seasons of a CBS show like that. That means there's like ninety five episodes. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And so like there, there's plenty of Scorpion if you want to get stung sure. by the Scorpion's stinger. All right, that was terrible. King of puns today. I know, right? Me, myself, and I on CBS. That's dead. Whatever that was. Um, Wisdom of the crowd. Man, he took a tumble this year, didn't he? Um, I can't see. Dude, Jeremy Piven. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he got taken down by me too, or should I say, taken down by his own actions. Um, Living biblically, which I don't know what that is. Um, Lucifer is now on Netflix for season four. That's cool. Um, Lady Dynamite um, ended on season on Netflix and other Netflix cancellations. Yeah. They're canceling so many things. That's what I was and they yeah. never did it before. No, that, that's the surprising thing. Is they the canceled nothing. Even even um, whatever. What was that one that horror show that was like the first one to ever get canceled on Netflix? Hawthorne Heights or something. Yeah, you know the one like I'm talking that. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, Mozart in the Jungle got four seasons on Amazon. Man, that was like a like a comedy drama about uh, maestros. Okay. You know, directing. Okay. Um, 
music. Everything Sucks on Netflix also canceled. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, what yeah. is that? I don't know anything about it, but I just saw. Wow, yeah. so many. Okay. Um, Kevin Can Wait, two seasons. Didn't you love that, didn't you? No, I, I was like, gonna check it out. I don't think I ever did. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. My dad and, and I that, watched Camp Queens a lot. And so then two seasons done. went by. Yeah, uh, the Last Ship got five seasons on TNT? What is that thing? Mm, anyway, it's about some ship that's the last of its kind, apparently. I may have seen a commercial at one point, but I don't know. Jane the Virgin is finally in. Well, finally. I sound terrible. People love that <laughs> show. Is ending after five seasons. Uh, season five is going to premiere in the fall, but apparently like it's a real ending. So that's right, cool. right. I'm cool with that. Happen Leonard on Sundance, three seasons. That's a show that seems like it'd be up my alley, but it just isn't. Um, Code Black. That's that one we, we... Oh, wow. Three seasons. Man, time flies, doesn't it? Yeah. That was that one we were talking about on the show. And um, it was... Uh, we were talking about how... Um, anyway, it was we were doing upfronts. Okay. Um, ghosted with these guys. Who is it? Oh, um, uh, Adam Scott and um, Daryl from The Office. Right. Uh, Craig Robinson. Right, right. Um, That's and, what, so did that make it to two seasons? No, one, man. Oh, only one. one. I only got one. Apparently, it's obviously expensive. They're big names. That is, yeah. Um, and yeah. for a sitcom, you got to do big numbers. Yeah. Um, so I guess it didn't. Uh, Famous in Love on Freeform. Uh, whatever. Shades of Blue. Again, I keep saying vehicle, but these a lot of these are vehicles. This was the Jennifer Lopez cop vehicle. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly pretty yeah. good. People used to say they liked it, but I'm not surprised. I mean, she knows how to make a show decent. Um, Timeless got two seasons, but it's revived for a two-part finale. One of the things I heard about that is it has really good review. I mean, reviews and numbers, but the problem is it's super expensive. Well, I just remember when we were doing that episode, there were like four time travel shows coming out at once. And I don't think any of them are still around. Yeah. So, say la vie. Um, Legends. Well, so, uh, well, yeah, that's uh, oh, that's right. That was Legend. one of them. Yeah, yeah. It shows still flying. Yeah, yeah. Shadowhunters on Freeform. Uh-oh. Pour one out, Kevin. The Jerry Springer Show. 27 seasons. Dang. It's that's over. Good. Wow. It's over. I didn't um, even know it was still running. But, okay. People of Earth on TBS. That was that one about a self-help group for people that have been touched by aliens. Yeah. Whatever. And, <laughs> I'll tell you, on a 27 show, uh, we should get... My dad on here to do his annual rant about The Simpsons and how it's still on. Like, and not good know. or good? No, he like he just never got into Simpsons, oh, okay. but he, he, he'll say all the time, can't believe that show is still on. I it's know. been on forever. <laughs> <laughs> the little mini version of Get Off My Lawn, right? Right, right exactly. Nice, yeah. nice. Last but not least, Colony, man. I was so upset about uh, this because okay. I've watched the first season and I'm in the second now on Netflix. Third one just recently premiered. And this is the... Um, Sawyer from Lost's new show. Oh, uh, okay. And it's so interesting. It's by Carlton Cuse and I right, think yeah, Ryan Condal, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like a sci-fi, really cool show about like these others that come down. We don't know what they are, but there's some kind of aliens. But the, the thing that's cool about it is they make like everybody live in penal colonies, but the real enslavers of the people are other people that have been like, they, like the aliens chose some humans to like enslave the other humans okay. so the concept is like you're looking at people that have straight up been become a traitor to your race to, to oh. your to your not your race your your species okay like imagine if like like we were hanging out and we were best friends and then all of a sudden the aliens came down and they came to me and they were like hey we heard that you're really good at selling cable um maybe you could sell people on you know our new world vision we're gonna make you a uh, you know an, a leader and then all of a sudden I come over I'm like Kevin time to go to the work camp I'm your new boss you know what I mean like you wouldn't you think I was the biggest traitor ever I mean okay. you know what I mean it'd be horrible um and and, and I would just, you know just you, you sell out you're okay. selling out your species anyway that was the concept have you watched um, that new like watered down law shows at manifest that one? 
Yeah, we, we, we talk, I think I did. I did. did you watch it at all? I okay. did. I watched the first episode. My mom and sister are watching that. They love it, and they I like can't. never watch anything. You know what the mind. deal is with it? I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's it's um, this is us. That's, with yeah. a little sci-fi. That's what it, and that's probably why they like it because they're. It, this is us addicts right yeah. so it yeah. is not what you think it is like that yeah. show looks like lost it's really this is us that's what i have figured yeah. yeah so yeah. unfortunately that's why this is my exit yeah because yeah. i'm out on that one <laughs> um i sat through an episode of this is us one t- earlier this year when i was in the hospital yeah about gouge my eyes out but mm, i i hate to be cruel to those but that's just i mean there's not i mean hey there's an audience for that that's great and yeah we'll go watch it but that is not my thing at all yeah yeah Cool. Anyway, those are the cancellations. Yeah, we didn't plan just, to do that, but it's really interesting no, um, it's, to look I mean, at everything that died, and, and it really gives you a, a sense of what's going on on TV right now. Do you think it's just plans. like an excess of content? Or... It seems like a lot of cancellations this time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, if you have more outlets, there's more cancellations. Yeah. But what's really you know interesting about this story with the Netflix cancellations is Netflix never canceled right, stuff. Right, right. And, and so now all of a sudden they've biggest. got 15 of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they've changed their model. And I've seen articles that say Netflix finally started canceling stuff and that's a good thing. Right, I you saw know, and, and essentially, right, right. And so essentially, like, there's a lot of schools of thought on this, but it is true that eventually there's going to be so much content that, that, you know, we're overloaded. I'm already overloaded. Like, we went through that list and, like, you know, I... You watched a good amount of that. Yeah, like, I've yeah, seen a yeah, lot of it. Right, yeah. um, but still, like, there's a lot I haven't. There's yeah. a lot that like some of us don't even know about, you right? Know? So anyway, right. Okay. I digress. Well, that's news then. Um, on that note, transition to another Netflix show I'm currently watching. Okay, uh, what so, is that, Kevin? I wonder. Um, actually, I did, I wish I could show. I maybe I'll post this on our Twitter or something like that. But I went as Daredevil uh, for Halloween this year. The black suit. I'm I'm quite proud of that cosplay. So I probably it will was bring, really. I'm gonna cool. bring it to NC Comic Con next. He's week. wearing the shirt now, and like I feel like I'm sitting here with Matt Murdock. It's the black. It's the black suit, Daredevil, which is actually really easy to do if you're if you've never done cosplay. It's got like before, a thermal shirt. All you have to do. That's the thing. It's like I mean, we're like a turtleneck, black shirt, pants. Uh, like wear all black. If you have any boots that work, and then like gloves, a toboggan and put it over and your eyes. <laughs> and I you, that and the, and it's you can get a piece of see through cloth like that anywhere, and it's really easy to make. And then I also have a baton that I use for my choir left at home, so I had that. I, I mean, like, if you okay. dress in black and put a toboggan over your eyes, yeah. you're kind of done, right? Right. And then anything extra is is it's extra. Great. Yeah, right. yeah. So anyway, um, and watching Daredevil season three, I've not finished it yet because how it's far also, in are you? I'm seven episodes. Okay, because I also don't want to like binge it so fast that it's done. Because it, it really, I mean, I, I know you're probably gonna roll your eyes, but this is the best season yet. You know, I mean, like it's just like, I mean, it, it, so what's interesting about Daredevil the most in comparison with the other shows? Now Iron Fist did change showrunners as well, but Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are the same ones for both seasons. Yeah, the, Daredevil has had a different showrunner each season because. It started off with Drew Goddard on the first couple episodes, and then he left only so he could write and direct a Sinister Six movie, which never happened. And so um, that, so, but he did write the first episodes. He stayed on as a consultant throughout the series, um, and he still is, which has uh, an effect, right? Right, exactly. And um, but he's busy making movies right now. Um, even if the Sinister Six movie for that, the well, now they have a different version of the Spider-Man universe, but we won't get into that right mm-hmm. now. Um, so then Stephen Estenite, um, did the rest of season one. Um, uh, famously, I believe he worked on Spartacus. Spartacus, yep. He did on Spartacus. And then he left to also for movies. He went and directed Pacific Rim 2, um, which is tons of fun. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if he's, what he's doing right now, but he did that last. Then, um, two of the writers from season one, 
um, Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez. They were the showrunners of season two and the defenders. They were originally set to come back for season three. I don't know what happened there. I tried looking it up. Um, it didn't say why they left. But anyway, they, they left. Um, and this guy named Eric Olison, who I don't know what else he's done, but he came on for season three. Um, it's just fantastic. So what I love about this season the most, it, take el- it takes elements from some of the classic um, Daredevil stories like Born Again and Guardian Devil, but it's not a straight adaptation of either of those. It takes those elements and creates an original narrative out of it. So basically, now I'm trying, well, okay, so I'm trying to speak. Oh, wow. Hold on one second. So Eric Olison did the CBS procedural Unforgettable, which I loved, by the way. It was a great procedural cop show. And then he worked on the CW superhero series Arrow, and now he's done. Okay, okay. He worked on Arrow, which is another dark. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, and I read an interview with him. Um, His dad was in, I think, CIA or FBI or something. Oh, cool. Which makes really, because that the FBI stuff here is done phenomenally. Cool. So, um, uh, like, I'm trying not to speak to spoilers, but I can just tell you the basic gist of, the, like, um, basically, Kingpin gets into it. He's been in prison for, you know, since season one. But he starts making deals with this FBI agent in the first episode um, to get, because he's trying to um, get back to his, uh, what's her name? His girlfriend from season one. Um I'm drawing a blank on her name, but oh, but anyway, he's trying to protect her, and so he's giving the FBI Vanessa. Vanessa, thank you. He's giving the FBI information on names, and once he starts doing that, the FBI starts catching people. People inside the prison start trying to kill him, so they have to move him um, to a secure facility. Nice plot, right? Yeah. They're moving him to a secure facility. As you can imagine, all hell breaks loose, and um, the citizens are furious that they've let him out of prison. Even the, I mean, he's still, you know kept in us but he's they bring him to like a hotel basically and he's gonna you know and so um so the everyone the whole city is mad that um you know the fbi is they think he, they're conspiring with king ben etc because corruption's the norm and yeah right right and then matt's kind of underground but is coming back and is um trying to take him down again i'm trying not to like spoil too much because i know you haven't seen defenders and right right um you haven't seen season two so but regardless i can just talk about what i just think of the whole series um, so it's just this similar to how we both really like the structure of Titan so far. Uh-huh. I really like the storytelling structure here. There, I mean, the first episode is very focused on Kingpin in the prison working with the FBI, and there's this new FBI agent um, they introduce who uh, named Nadim. Who at first you kind of thought maybe is this guy gonna be Bullseye, and he's not because um, but he plays a very prominent role in this season uh, and. It focuses on him, focuses on Kingpin, and focuses on Matt. And then it kind of moves into the more plot-driven stuff. Like, the way I look at it, so... The first season of Daredevil is very character-driven. very And to, and it is slower. It's I'm not going to deny that. But a lot of... I mean, they wait till the very last episode for him to even come up in the red suit. And um, Rich is rolling his eyes it's at that. Ludicrous. But it's, it's uh, ludicrous. Yeah, I but mean, it's ludicrous. How about 10 or 9? Right, right. Like, okay, you want to wait, slow burn it? How sure. about episode 9? Sure. Dickens. But still, it's... It even could have real... fit in the plot. The minute he goes to that dude to, like, say, like, I need equipment, I need a suit, I, that right, was maybe right. in... Make it 11. Then he, right, right. How about he goes the next day and he's like, yo, give me my suit. Right. <laughs> I mean, but come like, on. So, 
But like season one is that it's it's slow burn, it's very character driven, but it sets up the world really well, really well. Time and, 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 and it develops the kingpin one right, too. Exactly. Season two is much more comic booky, and took kind of a critical, um, not not pandering or anything like that, but it was. You mean less, not pounding? Yeah, pandering is. Pa- yeah, like yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. No problem. Sorry, but um, but like was less well received than season yeah, one, critically. Yeah. Um, I still really enjoyed it, but it, but it's. Writing. I thought you liked it better than the first one. I had more fun with it. I think, okay. yeah. And so um, there's things about the writing I like more in season one, but I thoroughly enjoyed season two. And but it's definitely it, season two and Defenders are very more traditional comic booky. There, mm-hmm. you know, you got Punisher and Electra, Electra, and then you know Defenders is really fun. Yeah, yeah. Season three, I think, is a really nice culmination of the two. There is some great action, which I'll talk about in just a sec, and then it's. I think great character development across the border yeah. for Matt, for Karen, for Foggy. Um, there's just a lot going on. It doesn't zero in on one character for too long. And also, uh, so I mentioned Bullseye. So Bullseye, he's introduced in like, I want to say episode four, maybe. Something wow, like that long in? Three or four, something Damn. like that. okay. No, maybe, let's see. Okay, no, we we briefly meet him in, in two. episode two. Okay. And then he plays more prominent after that. Okay. But, um... Okay, so the origin episode of him, they do it in, like, a flashback Again, thing. no spoilers. I'm not spoiling. I just want to say, so, like, part of the reason I'm saying this is because the other day I went and watched both parts of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows because it was playing at the Alamo. Yeah. Um, and it got me thinking of, like, how mad I was at the movie version of Half-Blood Prince because it watered down the Voldemort origin so much and it's so good in the book. But the or like, it, it reminded me of that, the way they did the origin of Bullseye. And it was, like, ten times better than that. It just, like, it was just long enough. It made you understand why this guy's a psychopath. It was emotional. It was brutal. It just, like, the lighting in it. And, like, because it, it does that kind of, like, you know, so oh, not quite black and white, but, you know. Sepia tune. Yeah. like, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I love that sequence. And so, um, and it's amazing that, like, they are able to do all this because it's not a strict, a strict like like at the end of season two they make you think that okay they're gonna season three is gonna be a straight adapt- adaptation of Born Again and it does it definitely has those elements like Kingpin is trying to take Matt down you know from where it hurts and right, knows right, who he is right. etc but it has all these other things come into play Bullseye Origin um, the thing with the agent Foggy and Karen all right, these things right. and it's just so well done. Um, and then the action, okay, so, you know, everyone loves the hallway fight yep. scene in season right. one. Um, they do a similar one in season two that's really good and all the Punisher stuff. There is an 11-minute fight scene with no cuts in season three. Okay. An, it is, a, and they shot it in one take. In episode what? What was it? Four or five? Okay. Um, like, you know, like, I want to say four. That's not okay. right. Um, it is amazing. I mean, it's just like, it's so visceral so well coordinated and executed um he's just fighting he's he's drugged a little bit because he got um someone stuck a needle in him yeah, yeah. and he's fighting his way out of like a both prison out hallway. of like this sleep hole and out of right yes. so they mix that yes yeah that show's always done a pretty good job of showing what like the world of Matt what looks like according to right. Matt Murdock right. because you know he's blind but he has these superpowers I'll give you a great example of that in um, episode maybe 10 of the first season, I think it was called, um, 
Daredevil versus Foggy or yeah, Matt mm-hmm. versus Foggy or something right, like right. that. Mm-hmm. It's a great episode. Um, although, you know, big conflict the whole time. Sure. I wouldn't say fun, but great. And there's this part where Foggy says, are you even blind? And I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, wait a second, he's joking. Like, maybe that Matt's been faking this this whole time. And it was just his way of emphasizing how betrayed he was and he wasn't told who he was. And then I realized, no, wait, Matt kind of isn't blind. Mm -hmm. And that's the point, is that, like, because when Matt answered, it wasn't like, no, of course I'm blind, dummy. It was... I'm only kind of blind. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have abilities. I didn't realize that about Daredevil. I don't know how I didn't realize that, but he, you know, it's beyond just training himself to use, because I always thought the idea of Daredevil was with tons of training, he's learned how to use all his other senses to just like heighten those and be better than normal people at fighting by utilizing those. But actually, at least the way the show presents it, that splash of acid or whatever or, or something that happened yeah, to him, yeah, it's yeah. given him some kind of heightened something. It, it's heightened senses and everything else. So yeah, like so it, he is actually... So he still is blind, He but because he hears so well, smells so well, can, you know, touch all... He has all yeah. these other extra senses. But, he, like, to the extent see, where he can kind of see. see. that way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right, and that's really interesting. And so, anyway, the show's always done a good job of showing what that's like right. from his perspective. And it sounds like they're even doubling down on that here in this they, scene. They double down on that... Um, they just everything about Matt's character from the comics is really heightened here. The religious aspects, like I was talking to my boss about that because he's Catholic and he was telling me how well they get that, like they get that right. You know, I mean, like it just, I mean, it's authentic. Um, they it ties in really well to the story. It's not hammered into you or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it just plays a really important role in his life and in his character. And sorry, this get like this season really gets into the core of why he is Daredevil and what that means to him you know, his redemptive arc, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's just so good. So, I mean... So let me yeah. so let me tell you why I'm not... I, I would never roll my eyes at you sure, saying sure, it's sure, the best sure. of the three. Yeah, yeah. No, no, seriously, that's that's valid. Um, what I have a problem with is... And I guess not really a problem, but I guess as a writer and as a thinker about media, I, I, I always am frustrated by the idea that the more depressing and sad and miserable... The experiences for the main character, the more critics, and we end up loving that show. This is, from everything that I've heard, by far the bleakest, by far the darkest place that, that, that Matt's ever been to. And it's just so, so interesting. Season one was really dark, um, and people love season one. They love it. They they eat up the kingpin and his tragic story and yeah, his yeah. dad and the, the more tragic, the better it gets ratings and then season two comes out and it's like happy and fun and badass matt and everyone's like this is shit this is crap <laughs> i like it. and then i know yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. critically right right and then all of a sudden this season when it got announced they were like dude he's so fucked up in this season that he doesn't even wear the red suit that's how fucked up he is and i was like 10 out of 10. I right, know that's right. what it's going to get. Right, right. Because the more fucking bleak shit, excuse my language, the more dar- the darker they make this stuff, the more critics just fall all over them. And we, too. And I say we because I will probably love it, too. But it's just like when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, why do I have to go through this hell? This <laughs> so- is so painful to watch him wallow. And, and just like I'm just, just, just mired with shit and guilt and crap. And like, is that fun? And I don't know. And I'm very conflicted about it. So it's just like I knew that's why I was I had that response a little bit when you said it's so better than I knew that was gonna be the response because it's dark as shit. 
you know? So... Is you, it not? You bring up an excellent point, and this is something I've actually discussed with other writers. I, I talked about it with Jeremy Whitley and Tina How- Tina Howard at a conference. Wow, solid. Um, just, like, it was at Oak City, because I, we were just talking about our backgrounds and stuff, and that was one of the things they said, like... Like, Teeny especially said when she was in the creative writing program at college, she got really frustrated at thinking that she had to write, like, really dark stuff to for it to be acceptable. And and I hate that absolutely, and I'm not... And so, yeah. I fully agree. I think there's a way to do good both, and, and I really do... And this was something, I a trap I fell into when I was, like, more critic in college when I was reviewing for the yeah. paper and stuff like that. Yeah. I had that cynical mindset, too. And it's really stupid. Like, I mean, because there are great happy i don't want to say happy go lucky but fun stuff that like people love and they can be done just as well merit they can be done just as well um i mean well i mean star wars of course but like um you think i mean yeah like looking at the comic book world okay the arrowverse stuff i mean i love that stuff and i think uh, especially flash season one is a great example where it is both i think great from a critical angle and an entertainment level, and yeah. I think there's a way to do that both. I mean, I agree. And so, I think that's incredibly compelling. That, right. That, that oh, show. I, I've seen the yeah. first eight or so. Yeah. I was gonna ask about yeah, the yeah, we'll talk today. about that in yeah, a minute yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. But um, with Daredevil, so he's always been a darker character. Right. So, and I think that well, it's the thing. It's like Daredevil, Hunting Hill House are two examples of like, um, and there is levity in Hunting Hill House. I will tell you that. Not um, in episode two. There is not in episode two, <laughs> but like, I, like I will say, if you watch through the whole series, okay. But with daredevil it's an example of like it's hard to do it as well in that show it's hard to do it as like more fun but i still like season i still like season two a lot um what i'm saying is like the mark wade ron for instance which i love you know i love that and that's the most you know positive like fun run that daredevil has drama right that has drama it would be a stretch if the show ever did something like that but I don't know. I'm. Di- I know. I'm kind of dancing around the question here. But it just well, no, no, like, no, 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 uh, no. You yeah. didn't actually. Yeah. You brought it up. You, you you brought up the the points. You know what yeah. a lot of people these days do when they argue right. stuff. And Kirk Hamilton does this on Kotaku really well. Uh-huh. He always he doesn't say this is awesome or this is great. He'll make some statements like that once in a while. But more what he says is well, actually, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. Not conclusions. Right. But right. thoughts. You sure. know what I mean? And that is a really interesting way to look at at criticism. Is you know this is a, something I'm struggling with. This isn't something I've decided on yet. Yet. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Like I'm struggling with this concept that when I hear that something is dark, and it, and, it, and it goes, there's a really simple way to look at it, like the Oscars. Nothing ever, you know how they always say, like, oh, nothing yeah, that's not, you know, somebody dying of some drama, disease, or, yeah. right, or, or horrible discrimination, or racism, and just, just all those issues. And I get it, because those kinds of ordeals that humans go through bring out great acting and emotion in people. Right. So, like, I get that. But it's also frustrating, as no, like really I said, is. as a consumer and as a writer, I'm so frustrated by, like, what is the one thing every story needs? Conflict, right? Yeah. Every single story. Right. There's no exceptions. Um, it's not every story needs characters. No. Right. Every story needs conflict. I'll and, give you an example. Yeah. Scorsese. Okay, my possibly my favorite Scorsese movie is Hugo, which is unlike any of it. It's unlike and like everything else he's done because it exhibits his love for a film it exhibits the human condition. It is the most... It's phenomenal cinematic storytelling. I think that movie beats the crap out of Wolf of Wall Street and mm-hmm. all those. Like, I mean, I, I really dislike Wolf of Wall Street. And, of course, it won Oscars and got nominated and all of those things. And so that's an example where, like, you someone who you never would have thought would do a very humanistic, childlike story 
that was accessible to millions Beautiful of people. Beautiful colors and, right. and happiness. There, and there was sadness in it, too. Sure, course, sure. But it, but it wasn't dark, dark. Right. But it's probably my favorite one by him, you know? And so that's the thing. I just, and I think that should have won Oscars well more than Wolf of Wall Street. And actually, that's one of the reasons, I think, on this subject of why I like American Vandal so much. That's a show that actually has conflict and tremendous mm-hmm. interest and intrigue, but never has to go to, like, nobody's murdered. Nobody's dead. Nobody's yeah. nobody's life is completely destroyed forever without any right. hope of redemption. And I, just the clips I've seen, like, the people even talking about Daredevil Season 3 are like, you've never seen Matt like this. He is that down and out. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even... I mean, I, and I just think about that, and I'm like, that is so uninviting. Like, I get it that yeah. it's great, and it will be great, and I will yeah. watch it. The other thing, too, that I'm having a little trouble with mentally when I think about Daredevil Season 3 is I just finished Season 1, finally. Sure, sure. And so my thoughts on that season are that I think it's phenomenal. I think I mentioned this once before, but Wilson Fisk as a character, I think, is way, way better once you get his origin. Yeah. Um, until you have the origin, he sounds like he's a bad actor. Um, and then you realize why he is who he is and why he's so stunted. And I've said this, I think, before on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But it's very important. I think they should have had that origin way sooner in the story. But anyway, all of that said, I feel like I've gone through the dramatic arc with Wilson Fisk to its conclusion. We've seen the conflict. We've seen Wilson on top. We've seen Wilson on bottom. We've seen um, Matt trying to take him down. We've seen him in jail. We've seen him fall in love, almost lose his loved one, be ripped apart from his loved one. We've seen the whole arc. Yeah. And and, and You're wondering what's left. Well, A, I'm wondering what's left, but more than that, I'm thinking like, okay, so here I am. I'm Eric Allison or Ellison or whoever decided what this season Mm -hmm. was going to be. And I say to myself, hmm, Daredevil season one, everybody loved. And not only that, but when we look at the Netflix Marvel shows, everybody says that it's like probably the best one, if not that one, Jessica Jones, um, that are the best of all of them, right? And who do they say is the best villain of all of them yeah maybe purple man but usually wilson fisk almost everybody says why i've seen articles why wilson fisk is the best marvel in the mcu in in general right yeah um and they're just like and so instead of making this the bullseye season instead of making this the some other villain season they made it wilson fisk part two yeah and and everything i hear about it is like it's it's wilson fisk part two it just is is. um and And i just don't know why they like i feel like that was i i get that it's going to be really good but i feel like couldn't they have made a really good season about another villain anyway go ahead what were you gonna say well to be like you have bullseye but that's my one criticism of daredevil from the comics is he has a really weak rogues gallery beyond Mm -hmm. besides kingpin electric and bullseye like he has gladiator who's literally like one of dresses up as a gladiator um and rum streets in new york like most of them are just c-listers who would not fit well in the marvel Netflix. but universe. i don't think it has anything to do with this they could have they could have yeah, they could have yeah. you know rejiggered things they could have found right. a, they could have done the hand in a different way they, they do just, that with arrow a lot like they'll take the comic book villains yeah. and do a really different version and move them from yeah. other stories to this one sure. there's a lot of cool things they could have done in a lot of different ways sure. but instead they chose wilson fisk redux right so tell me how does this show justify or, or what makes you not sick of Wilson Fisk at this point? Like, because we've seen him... So here's here's another part of it, too. I'm, I'm, I'm being long-winded, but I, I feel okay. like I'm feeling emotional about this. So, so Wilson Fisk in that season one is very, like... The whole season, for ten episodes, it's like he's unstoppable. He's so powerful. He's so tough. He's so unstoppable. So we saw them, like, under his might for so long. 
Um, and then there's you know three or four episodes where they start crumbling down his empire, and mm-hmm. that feels really satisfying. But like, I I just don't know. I guess moving from that, the, how does it go? Like, the arc here, I mean, I'm on episode. Is it a very eight. different arc? Well, I'm on episode eight. He's still under custody. Yeah, custody. Mm-hmm. He it the story with and he's pretty static here. There's not really any like major developments with this character. He's pretty much the same, but. He's taking on Bullseye and creating him, basically. So, and oh, okay. it's sort of that relationship. Okay, good. We'll I'll leave like, it at yeah. that. But that, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So he's, it is very novel. I'll tell. I mean, can I tell you, like, who? I don't think I mentioned like Bullseye. In this is an FBI agent who has like I didn't know that very unstable. Unstable. Awesome. Yeah, and, tell me no more. Yeah. But that's awesome. Right. That's awesome. So okay. So there's a lot of intrigue. He takes here. him under his wing and is trying to let him loose. Uh, Okay, cool. Well, yeah. that's cool then. I'm into that. I'm into that. So yeah, a lot of this comes from just me not knowing that much sure. about it. Um, I just the darkness, man. The it's darkness. Brutal, Is it yeah. really dark? Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, not like, but not like in a. Oh my gosh, I'm just you know he he's, he's not. Like, does he feel sorry for himself? Yeah, episodes, but there's also a what like there. So do you remember the nun from season one? It brings back the nun and the priest from. Um, they I remember the priest. I remember the nun. I can't remember the nun was in much before I don't that. I think but, she was. But um, but anyway, the nun and the priest that raised him, basically, um, they play a big part in the season. The nun is the voice to, in the early episodes of the season when he is all mopey and you know, sorry for himself. She's the one basically saying, you know. So there is there him. is redemption and hope in sight for him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I want to say like huge hope, but like, yeah, she is kind of his motivating force. Man, by episode eight, he's still that down, boy. That's tough. I mean, it's tough. It's yeah. it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough watch. But I mean, I'm sure it's really good. I guess I I, just, I will say because he's well, been through so it's not much. Like, it's not know? like there's episodes where it's just like he's just super isolated and like I mean he's isolated, but like what I'm saying is there's a lot going on in the season. So good. it's not like good. you have to watch an entire episode of him just like moping. I'm like glad I, things have yeah. changed because remember season one that's what you might have. So I think that's what the biggest strength is. Like because like I what I said earlier is that. It's a perfect culmination of the character drama and the more comic book. That's good. And so, like, there. I mean, it's it. There's it's way really more, well written. There's way more plot and things going on good. in the season than season one ever. Yeah, had. Season one was so light on plot. Right. Right. Um, interesting. Okay. Well, so I, I think I've, that, I've come out of this what, tunnel feeling more optimistic right. about it. I'm I mean, I'm not gonna say it's not dark and it's not like you know, I mean, heavy stuff. Yeah. But it's yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like. Uh, something happens, you got to keep going, you know. Like awesome, that, so, yeah. awesome, and, and compelling it, stuff. Yes, happens. it keeps cool. the story moving forward. Cool. Well, hey, man, Daredevil, I can't wait to hear when you're done with it. And, yeah. And I, you know, I'm also really happy that I have season two to look forward to. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, gonna be really yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, I but, enjoyed season two yeah. a lot. So what I actually have done? Can I move on to something? Go now? Ahead, absolutely. Yeah. So what I've actually done recently is I've been watching Titans, which we'll talk about. But that led me. Um, because those are dropping slowly, right? Um, so that's led me to want to see more. Um, obviously, DC superheroes. Sure. Stuff. So I went back to Arrow. I mean, not Arrow. Um, Flash, and I realized that I was on like episode five or six of the first season. So I started. When did you watch? Sorry. Uh, the I think I saw the first episode when it came out, and then like those four like two years ago or a year okay, and a half yeah, ago or whatever. Sure. And so now I came back and I watched like six, seven, eight, maybe nine. Okay. Um, I just saw eight, which is the Christmas episode. That was the one, yeah. Which is the they one... They always do great Christmas episodes. Which, which is the one where Reverse Mark Flash... Uh, oh, yeah. Mark Hamill. Was that Trickster in that? No. Oh. Season not... one, man. 
I thought he did. I want. I thought Trickster did. No. Call. Okay. Well, yeah. no, no, maybe. No. Okay. All season. Okay. One Trickster is. did. Call, okay. I think he does show up in that. See, he called. Okay, that's right. He shows up later that season. He's in the Christmas episode, like the next couple years. Okay. That. So, yeah. so anyway, um, what that Christmas episode is is, um, Reverse Flash. Yeah. It's the Reverse Flash episode, right. and so, um, it's Barry but, going up against Reverse Flash. It's them trying to trap Reverse Flash in that capsule. Right. They they quote unquote trap him, but not really. Um, and then there's Wells and Reverse Flash together, and um, which is interesting because all this time they've been hinting that maybe Wells is Reverse Flash, and then um, and so that sort of seems to disprove it. But you know, there's time going on here. And You're kind of. I I think you'll genuinely be surprised by the twist at the end. Of, of, this, of season one. Oh, it's that long that way? <laughs> well, like, when they fully reveal all of that. Like, of what's the, going on. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because I'm really interested in all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's really it's really interesting, and, and, and boy, Wells is... is That shows as good as that... As good... You know, as, as... As conservative as that show is in terms of, like, there's no cursing, there's not super right, violence, right, right. it's very family-friendly... It's so dark with having Wells on the team. Uh-huh. Like he's like, I mean, whatever he turns out to be. And again, I'm very early, but whatever. Yeah, and everybody well, listening yeah. to this yeah. knows everything that I don't know. But at that point, early on, he's so, you know, clearly involved in some really dark stuff that that clearly is is you know going on right in front of our heroes and but but just 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 shielded from their eyes in in a really good way i mean that you know i always used to ask you and jordan like why is that season so good what makes it so good and and you know it nobody could really explain except to just say it's fun it's fun it's fun it's fun it's fun right you know and it's got good characters and it's just i just love watching it and the villains are great and we always rave about tom cavanaugh because uh, he plays wells oh right yeah, right, yeah. right right i i, I, I remember that a- I picked him as my favorite actor one year on the episode, like on the TV awesome. episode. Awesome, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Wells is so, you know, important to why that show is good. Yeah. And and I think that the reason – I think that show really pulls off, like, the Puzzle Box stuff real well. Like, you know, Puzzle Box as in, like, you know, why like people – some people are, like, Team Puzzle Box on Lost. Right. Some people are Team Characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or and, and I'm both. You know, I sure. like both a lot. Probably a little more Puzzle Box. But – And I think season one is the perfect mix of both. It really yeah, is. Yeah. It really is. But I love the mysteries in it. They're yeah. what's propelling me through that show. And I like the one-off villains. I like his relationship, you know, with, with his, you know, long love, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Iris. And, you know, I, I, I love his relationship with the police officer. Another thing that I really love, Chief or whatever he is, Eddie, what not Eddie, but uh, the, the um, yeah, Iris' dad, dad yeah. Detective West, right? Yeah. So I love that relationship. And I love that so many more people are in on the Flash secret in this show. Like, it's not as much like, oh, no, they're going to guess my secret identity. Right. And, oh, no, this, you know, Team it's Flash. like, yeah. they know. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. all, including the main cop, yeah. knows who he is. So there's yeah. not that annoyance yeah. of like, oh, I can't tell you. Sorry. Can't tell you. It's a secret. Where was I? Sorry. I was late. Yeah. You know, and there's a little of that because of any identity there is. But anyway, the show is just really fun like you said but i think the the reason it's really fun for me is it's a great mix of good characters barry is perfect the actor you like this go 
I like him okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't love Cisco. I feel like Cisco is the most relatable for every nerd out there, but yeah. I like, I like him yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't dislike him. I mean, he's just I just of... I've loved Cisco and Caitlyn from the beginning. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're yeah, fine yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. I like Caitlyn a lot more now that she's being fleshed out with the Firestorm thing, and that's she'll a thing as well. She'll get even more, like, as it goes. Yeah. Like, I think... I mean, for all, season three has its faults, but they do a really good job with her. Yeah. Well, see, Cisco has, the thing I guess when I come down to Cisco is he is the least fleshed out character by episode eight. Um, okay, there's yeah. no story about him. We don't know who he is really. You'll get a lot more. From, really, right. That's so at the, this that, point, that, he's I'm kind complete... of in my mindset of going back to season one because I'm like, so much has changed since then, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah. But what I'm saying is sure. that at this point, he's just a dude who geeks out about tech. Right, right. That's it. Sure. Who would like to be a superhero with a name one day. That's it. Right. And there's nothing else to it. And so uh, there's just a limit to how interested I can be in him right now. So we'll see how that goes. I like him. Good actor. Sure. Um, But anyway, I'm really enjoying that, watching more of it. Um, And it's very propulsive, too. And I think that show does not feel, at least in season one, even though it's a 22-episode season, like it's treading water. Yeah. Does not feel that way, which is very rare for CW DC shows. Very cool. Anyway, digging it. What you got for us? Well, I guess on that note, I'm um, got back a little more into the current Flash run in the comics, so the Joshua Williams, yeah, which yeah. I'm really enjoying. So I just read the fifth trade. There's like seven out now. I mean, he's done 50-some-odd yeah. issues now. But, How many have you done? Um, One? I've read the what? Well, how many trades? Oh, five. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember you were into this from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's probably, it's definitely my top three or five books from DC Rebirth, which there's a lot, but... Um, uh, Williamson was just one of the like he found the perfect character uh, for him to write. It definitely, I, I mean, I think the Arrowverse shows have influenced the comics that those are based on a, a lot since then, which is fine. I mean, it, it was one of those where like if you watch the show, you're gonna feel right at home with this run. Um, and not that it follows the exact same story or anything, but all of the tones and the elements are there. Um, but so in the most recent arc that I read, uh, you know, a lot has happened since then, but, um, he had been trapped, he, well, he had been, had a fight with Reverse Flash, and it caused his powers to change so that now he is drawing power from a negative speed force, which I know that sounds ridiculous, but, like, you'll get even more into the speed force as you go along, um, in the show, but there are different layers to it, and so the negative speed force is affecting how his powers are used and he can't control them as much um and so it's affecting his attitude almost like when you know peter parker first got the venom symbiote back in the day you know i mean it has that kind of effect not too so much so mm-hmm. but he's having trouble controlling it and so that's what that arc is about um he creates a new villain um he's at odds with um captain singh or you know uh captain or i forget what his title is but singh you know of the uh gcpd and eventually he gets transferred to Iron Heights, which is like the um, Flash version of Blackgate Prison, yeah. where all the worst of the worst are stored. Um, and he's assigned to work there, and he hates it. Um, so it's just, uh, again, a really fun book, and that coincides well with the TV show. Joshua Williamson's a great writer, and I'm really excited to keep going with that one. Um, and then... I'm also reading Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm on the third volume of that, which that might be the last trade for that run, because I know Julie and Shauna Benson, the writers, their sisters, they uh, finished that the run on that book and are now writing Green Arrow. Um, so that might be the last trade on there, but I'm not sure. Um, but that's just another really fun book. I love the team. 
Um, the, it's the core three of Batgirl, Barbara, um, Black Canary, and Huntress. And then in this one, they team up with all of the other women in the DC universe because um, this radical um, organization is trying to kill all of the men in Gotham using a virus. And so all the women are left teamed up, up and you know that, that includes the villains as well. So like Harley and Poison Ivy are there along with Wonder Woman, um, people from... Did you read any of the Detective Comics Rebirth run? Cause like, no. Um, so Batwoman and Cassandra, Cassandra Cain and them are on there. Okay. Um, so they bring in them. Um, and then, yeah, and a bunch of others. So that's just... It's just a really fun book. Cool. Um, so those are the current DC books I'm reading. I'm also reading stuff on the app. So like Jeff Johns' Teen Titans run. It's a lot of fun. Um, that was from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else? Um, I also went through... Uh, did you read the New 52 Justice League Dark Run, the Peter Michael Milligan? A bit of it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I did not like it. Really? Okay. Um, no, I'm not a Milligan fan. Milligan is just... That's what I hear. A lot of people say... What? I can't read it. I, I find it impenetrable. I just I just don't like it. Is it just like too much text? Or, it's or it's like... partly that, but no, I just can't... I, it's like almost every comic I read, I find myself like enjoying to some extent. His stuff, I just bounce off like a rubber band it's interesting because like, you're not the first person to say that i i quite like him I mean, yeah not, no it's cool it's just something my... about it just impenetrable yeah for me. like he i, I mean he, i think he does a i like i really like his when he does like occult stuff like that like kind of has kind of, kind of a hellboy feel mm-hmm. um i mean it's not you know, great or anything but i, I quite enjoy him so cool. uh, but um so going through that and then i'm also reading a george lucas biography right now which is really fascinating i'd seen it at Barnes and Noble for a while i got it for my birthday mm-hmm. um but yeah, he li- probably the most fascinating thing I've learned about him so far. I knew tidbits of his story, um, but I knew he was a big race car driver when he was younger and, and huge into cars, um, and that's what influenced a lot of his work later on. But um, he got into a car accident when he was he was a terrible student growing up, and but on like right before graduation, he was about to flunk out, and he went to the library, got bored, went for a drive, and that's when he got into his big accident. And the only reason he passed high school is because his teachers felt bad for him, and they sure. they gave him D's so he could pass. <laughs> but that was hilarious. But it's a fascinating story. Brian J. Jones is the author. He's written other biographies about filmmakers. I think he did a Jim Henson one. Mm. Um, so that's a really good one. But those are the things I'm checking out. Did you have anything else? I also I was going to do Bad Times of the L right Yeah, just do that. I mean, my last thing is just uh, I, there's a show called Light as a Feather, um, which is a really bad um sort of uh it's like a a british thing no no it's not actually it's on hulu and it's like a it's like think um what's that it's like a teen drama it's like a ya um thing that let me let me see if i can get a description it's like a ya light is a feather yeah but i I didn't even know where it came from but it's a drama thriller on uh, hulu it was released sort of part and parcel with halloween it says Four best friends invite the shy new, shy new girl out on Halloween, but they quickly regret their decision when she suggests they play a game of light as a feather, stiff as a board. The seemingly innocent game goes awry when the five girls who played start dying off exactly the way that was predicted. The survivors are then forced to figure out why they're being targeted and whether the evil force hunting them down is one of their own. So it's like a, you know, you can see why it's intriguing to me. I love a whodunit, and, you know, even if it's lighthearted, I love that kind of thing when people are pretending to be something that they're not. Um, and you have to like unravel it. Uh, it's just garbage. Okay, I mean, it's yeah. just done really, really poorly. I mean, yeah. it's got a you know IMDb of six point four, and it's just it's just junk. I mean, it's like a six out of ten show. Um, so I'm not really enjoying that. Not going to watch it much more of it. Um, but that's uh, 
that's about it. And there's a couple other little things. I'm going to watch more before I comment. Okay, cool. What do you got for us, man? All right, so I saw Bad Times at the El Royale last week. Which is going to be hard to talk about because I haven't seen it yet. Right. However. Yeah, but um, so even with the trailers, I was definitely getting a Hateful Eight vibe um, from it. Um, For those of you, I mean, I'm sure you've seen about it, but it's the Drew Goddard movie um, with Jeff Bridges and John Hamm, um, Dakota Johnson, um, several other, yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Um, and it's basically, you know, these strangers converge at a hotel, um, on the border between the California and Kansas, uh, or not, um, yeah, anyway, but, um, they, and there's a big, we, they sit in the trailer, you know, there's a murder mystery, et cetera, but it had this very hateful vibe of like, how supernatural, how supernatural is it? There's not supernatural. Awesome. Yeah, 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 no, no. Oh, great. Why did you think it was? I thought it was a supernatural thing. No. Oh. It has a kind of like, I mean, really over the top feeling to it, especially, but it's all, I mean, um, I'll like, let me run through a couple of the character descriptions. Yeah, please, please. Yeah, yeah. So Jeff Bridges play is the priest um, who we get the sense he's probably not a priest, but we don't know what he's there for exactly. He says he's not. Right, right, exactly. So um, I won't spoil what he actually is, but um, anyway, he um, he enters first. Um, John Hamm is an FBI agent. Um, Dakota Johnson is just this woman on the run who I can't really tell much without spoiling plot things, um, and then. The um the African American woman in it I'm drawing a blank on her name you can look it up real quick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um she's a singer and is um doing some work at the hotel there and then Chris Hemsworth plays um like this cult leader that's kind of, that lives out in the woods and um is basically you know just leading all these people on a, like an anarchist her name is Cynthia Erivo and she plays Darlene Sweet Darlene that's what I was like yeah. She's fantastic in it. Um, so I would. She and Jeff Bridges get the most screen time and are the most important characters. Cool. Um, and yeah, again, I'm not. I don't want to spoil too much about the plot. What Is it I, full of twists and turns? Yes, further out. And like, it's one of those where it's it. You know, something happens, and then it repeats that scene through the perspective of the oh, character. That. And it's so well done. Like, cause okay, so my thing with like comparing it to Hateful Eight and why I say it's a lot better. I can't believe you're saying that, but yeah. Well, I mean, see, Hateful Eight, it's like I hate the like you know, there are people are like, oh, it's a Tarantino movie. It must be phenomenal and beyond amazing. I liked Hateful Eight. I didn't think it's his see, best work. I'm but... not that way at all. I actually think that um, Tarantino's pretty good, but like Jackie Brown's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really. Inglorious Bastards is a great movie, but like I'm not like gonna like sit here and die over it. See, Inglorious Bastards hate- is actually. One of my but Hateful but, Eight, yeah. but Hateful Eight is an experience. When we went to see that, like to to think that this film could be better than it, I mean, Hateful Eight probably has four times the budget. It is filmed authentically on this gorgeous set in whatever millimeter. I mean, I guess I bought in. Uh, yeah, I guess I bought in a little bit into all the hype. But I mean, you see that it's three and a half hours of just ambition. Um, and it's glorious, and it, and it's and it's beautiful to behold, and and there's that those those sweeping vistas, and the characters are all like really interesting, and the when you find stuff out at the end, I mean, it's not a happy ending, um, but but it's it's just uh, anyway, I thought it was really good, but I I get, and I'm also um, rose colored about the experience we had because we well, went to the, the sixty I mean, millimeter yeah. roadshow, right, right, and it was just and they had an overture, and, and it was just phenomenal.
original. Anyway, well, it's see, hard to believe that you just went and saw this and you're like, yep, it's better than Hateful Eight. Because, I, I mean, I do agree that, I mean, the experience of it was cool, and but I also think that the 16mm thing would have worked better for something like Django, where it could have utilized it a lot more. Because in that movie, I mean, aside from the 30-minute op- the op- opening when they're on the way to the cabin, mm-hmm. the rest of the movie takes place in a closed, con- confined cabin. That's true. And... The narrative is cool. It's not nearly as interesting as this one. The characters are incredibly well written, and the dialogue's great in that movie, but that's, I mean, Tarantino is, I mean, is a natural dialogue. Uh, here, it has all of those and better. So, like, the story's more interesting. The dialogue's great. It has that Tarantino vibe to it, but it's, it's not a much silly, more... is it? No. Because you remember, like, you like remember only... how silly that one we just saw was with uh, Anna Kendrick. Oh, no, it's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like. No, it's. A, I mean, there's an over the top essence to it, but it's delivered really well. And so, it, like, so yeah, basically they meet, and then you know trouble starts happening, but you're not sure exactly what. And especially Dakota Johnson's character holds the most mystery, um, and you're not really sure why why she's there. She's with her younger sister. Um, and you're really not sure what's going on there. Sounds interesting as hell. And it just keeps getting, like, I mean, Young didn't... I am dying to see it. Young liked it, but he said that he likes it about as much of the same as Hateful Eight, which he didn't love either, but he liked him, okay? I really love this one. I liked Hateful Eight. Um, so, like, viewing it from a movie, and you're right that the experience of that one is great, but when I look at it as just a movie, it's good, it's solid, it didn't, like, the story is solid, but it doesn't keep my interest that much. I like the characters more than the story. Whereas, like, this one... You sound like me. You sound like me talking about why I like Ragnarok better than Civil War. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Like, that concept of, like, Civil War is probably, you know, I could look at it objectively and say it's probably a better movie, theoretically. But that... But that bad times at the but that you know Ragnarok is is just far more enjoyable right, for me right you know and it seems like that's kind of what you're saying but I, I wonder like aside from an initial viewing of being like t- caught up in the twists and turns does it have like a story that's like like satisfying and meaningful yeah. afterward yeah I think wow no really? it's got some good themes in it it's hard to believe the reviews don't bear that out the reviews are okay, right? I disagree with reviews a lot. I uh, yeah, mean, like, no, oh, yeah. I, which I'm uh, glad to hear. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just so so surprised at how much you like this movie. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, and the performances are across. The, I mean, really? Jeff Bridges is always great, so it's not. But I will say the thing that really, I mean, I wasn't surprised that those you know performances like Jeff Bridges, John Hamm were great, and then the um, the one who played Darlene is fantastic. What really surprised me was because I've not really seen Chris Hemsworth outside of Thor and like a few comedies. He did amazing in this role. Like, I mean, because, like I said, he plays this very over-the-top cult leader, and you wouldn't really, like, you don't, because sometimes, you know, when you go into a movie with a name like that, you have preconceived notions, and it's hard to separate the actor from the character. This one, I totally believed him in that role. Wow. And I thought, I, I, I mean, mean, like, this, the way you're talking about it, not just that, but also how, like, if you said that about uh, first man or whatever. First man wasn't that good. Yeah, it, but I, I mean it's okay. I would have been like, I would have been like, okay, great, it's a great movie, but I mean it's not. But yeah, yeah I would have been like, it's a great movie, but like I'm not rushing out to see it. But this one, the way you describe it and it's, the kind of movie, it's my, like, I'm dying to see it. I mean, it's currently my top three of the year, but uh, and you have to be, I mean, yeah, to see what else comes out. That's this year, unbelievable. But, yeah. That is like shocking. 
Anyway. No, I thoroughly... I mean, I was I mean, I mean, was intrigued by it from the trailers, but, like, I also did I You had like, no oh, idea it was going to be like this. Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Wow, right. cool. So I hope, I I hope my it. mileage uh, doesn't vary. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It'll be... I'm really interested in seeing your thoughts. Yeah. Cause, like, I mean, is it... It's twisty and it's a mystery, right? Yeah. And I, and I don't want to overhype it. So you're no, you're not overhyping it. Yeah. You're yeah. not overhyping it. I already have... I mean, because of everything else I've heard, my, my uh, thoughts on it are, are yeah. tempered. And I thought the visuals were handled really well because it does things where like. Um, oh wait, one more thing. Is it too long? No, it it was like I think it was over two hours. It's it two and a half like, hours. It didn't say feel it's like, way it too really long. It really didn't feel like that. Wow. Okay, good. The visuals. Like there, so the way he handles the camera work in the more suspenseful sequences, like he does it. So like he does. I'm just, I'm not gonna say what happens, but like. Um, he does a pan around the room and builds up the tension, like, and makes you think that a character is about to kill someone, and then they don't, and like, it, and it's perfectly handled that way. But no, I, I really, I mean, I thought it was one of the best things Drew Goddard's done. That's unreal. Okay, yeah. cool, awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. And I yeah. Well, on that note, first man, it was okay. It wasn't like I mean, it was it was one of those where like, I mean, well, Ryan Gosling gives a, really, a good performance, very stoic one. Which that's what they were going for. It's a really good script. It's fine, but it's one of those where I thought, okay, this is why not every historical event needs to be made into a movie because it's. I mean, it's not that interesting most of the time. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of guys in a room preparing for NASA and stuff, and yeah. it's like, I mean, I'd rather read a book about that than watch a movie. About yeah, because the intricate details are interesting. Yeah, but yeah. I don't want to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I don't have any desire to see that except I, for I the fact that it's family, but... that it's you know. Um, Damien, you know, she, right? Damien, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I, I mean, it's good. It's like, not, but it's not like this needed to be a movie. Cool. So, yeah, got it. All right. Well, hey, on that note, I am ready. Are we? Are we on to the next? Yeah. Cool. So let's. I am so pumped. Let's, let's go talk ahead. about Titans. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um. So Titans, you had seen the first couple episodes last we spoke, right? Yes. One and two, right. I believe. Yeah. Um. And I was yet to dive into them. Um, you were explaining to me why the F Batman scene was more interesting than we thought. Well, I think on the last episode, oh, no, I we just did go the second. Pilot. We on the last episode we recorded, I it had just come out. I had just watched the pilot, and then oh okay, Hawk, Hawk and Dove was later that week because um, we recorded a few weeks ago. Oh okay, and then we have talked since then. Okay, so, just yeah, not yeah, okay, yeah, but cool. not all anyway. Yeah. Um, you were telling me why the F Batman scene was was cool and not not shitty, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you were telling me why um, you know, the kind of show that it is. But you were also explaining to me like there it, there hasn't really been that much yet. So I remember you were saying it was good, and our takeaway together, I think, um, me as an outsider looking in and you telling me about it was that, you know. It, you want to really say this show's really looking good, but there's been so little at that point to really right. know. Right. Um, so it could go either way. Um, now I we have a good four yeah, episodes. Yeah, and I felt similarly when I first saw the pilot because mm-hmm. I watched the pilot shortly after that, and I felt that same way. I was like, this has promise, sure. but I don't. I need some more. Yeah, I don't see any. I don't see enough here to really know what it's going to be. Well, um, the first episode is essentially Dick Grayson. Um, and he's a cop in Detroit, Chicago, Detroit. Detroit. He moved um, from there, uh, moved from to Gotham there, from to Gotham. there, yeah. um, because Batman was up to some shenanigans. Apparently, we find out. I don't remember finding this out, but apparently, he started killing people. I guess somebody told he, me that's the case. Yeah, and he's a. It's sort of implied, and but basically, he's just afraid of becoming too what much he'll like be Batman. if if he stays there. Yeah. Right. So there's that, um, and then Rachel is the other main focus of that episode because um, Rachel is Raven, and she is. 
living with her mom. Her mom is very religious, like always like doing signs of the cross and saying prayers, trying to protect her. And then this mysterious cultish guy shows up, kills her mom. She sort of goes on the run to Detroit because the first train that, you know, whatever, sort of like fate. Right. She ends up there. The two of them interact. And the meanwhile, we see Starfire off somewhere doing, like, not being an amnesiac. She doesn't know what she's up to. We don't see too much more of her at that point, but she's just sort of going around trying to figure out who she is, where she came from. Um, and then we see a little clip of, a, of Beast Boy just in the woods, like, being Beast Boy. And then it, they think at the end of the first episode, he steals a video game, mm, yep. right? Yep. And that's kind of all you get at that point. So essentially, it's just Dick and Rachel. And then a little bit of Starfire. And a little bit of Starfire, and then almost no Beast Boy. Um, Then Episode 2 does something very odd, and that is instead of building up this team that's barely built, in fact, it isn't built. Yeah. It's not even, even Raven and, and Dick aren't aligned right. really yet. Right. Uh, and they bring in Hawk and Dove. So, so Dick decides to take um, Rachel to a safe place. And this turns out to be, so back when Dick was in Gotham, he was a teen superhero. And whenever he would get away from Batman, he'd go fight crime sort of on his own with Hawk and Dove. And they'd team up and they'd take out bad guys, right? right? So the idea of this, though, was... And also we see that, that Dick actually had a relationship with uh, with Dove and, um, and, that the, and that they had sort of a thing. And then Dick just, like, ran away. And right. we don't really know what happened there. But now she's with Hank, who's who's Hawk, and, and the two of them are, you know, engaged. And, he, and they keep saying... Dove wants to get out of the game. He keeps saying one more score, one more score. We just take out these next bad guys, and that's walking away money, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that whole concept. So they're they're essentially they, re- they represent um, superheroes that never grew up, and they were young teen heroes, but like feeling the pain of growing up and doing this for ten years, right? Um, and so Dick sort of gets contrasted against that. Plus, Rachel is with him, and there's all the contra- There's all the like. Does Dick really want to be a surrogate father to Rachel? Um, and also, you know, does Dick really want to turn into Hawk and Dove one day? And this is all these interesting concepts that come up. But anyway, it's odd because the episode builds up Hawk and Dove for about half of it is all about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other two characters you don't see too much. And I'm just going to finish with the overview by saying that, you know, episode in that one, we get a little more Starfire. We see yeah. her like moving around, trying to find out who she is, being really brutal. You see her powers, I think, for the first time in that one. Yeah. Well, no, there was a brief sequence in season in episode one. Okay. Where she blows just, up that office. Was that yeah, one? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. And but then, she gets, but she actually uses it more on you know to fight off these people in in episode three. All right. So so anyway, episode three um, is her and Rachel. Um, because there's this, well, first of all, there's these enemies called the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. We'll talk about them in a minute, but essentially they're this family of like, you know, they look like a sixties family and they, um, are part of the cult in some way. And they've been activated like, like kind of like sleeper cell agents to go and capture Rachel. And essentially the thrust of this season so far has been, there's a cult. They believe that Rachel for different reasons needs to be captured and used as a pawn in their whatever. Um, and then there's, you know, the religious people think she needs to be protected. And then there's her and Dick and Starfire and eventually Beast Boy all sort of caught up in this big saga. So essentially the thrust of the season narratively is probably going to be Rachel um, yeah. as, as it goes. Because the bad guy, it's, it's been revealed, is going to be Trigon. And they, they sort of talk about that from the beginning, who's Rachel's right. father. So we all kind of know that that's coming. Um, but essentially... Episode three gives us a little bit more Beast Boy, but we almost don't see him. He's like in a pinball. Yeah, yeah. He's in like the. He doesn't the actually ring. transform. He's just like hanging he's out. Just Garfield. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's got he's got green hair. We see what he looks like for the first time, which or first real time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he looks yeah. cool and, and all of that. And he and Rachel have a moment where they tell each other they have cool hair, which is very meta, like it, meta yeah. and cool. Right. And then uh, episode four is um, 
essentially Doom Patrol. Yeah. Another odd decision because mm-hmm. this team still hasn't come together fully. Right. And they introduce yet another full team. Now, what's interesting about Doom Patrol is that Doom Patrol is the next series that's coming out. And that's right. coming out next year. Um, after this one run- winds down, that one's going to wind up, like right after. Right. Um, and the idea there is that this is kind of a backdoor pilot. I mean, that you are yeah. fully introduced to the Doom Patrol. You get all their origins. And the conflict yeah. and everything mm-hmm. that's going on. Plus, they're father figures to Garfield, to Beast Boy. And what's important about that is finally this is the Beast Boy episode we've been waiting for. Right. Where we get to see what he's like. And I was really adamant that we both have seen this before we talk about it today because this is where we finally get to see the fourth piece of the Titans. Right. So it took four episodes for us to finally have the team together. They are, and the, at the very end of episode four, they finally drive off together. They're together. Still, though, they're not like a team team. Yeah, yeah. And the next episode's called together. That'll be next week. And it looks like that's when they're going to fully, like, you know, culminate into, you know, uh, congeal into like a team. Right. right. But I think it's interesting that there's a lot of, so many talking points that come out of this. But I'd say one or two, one real big one is how fascinating it is that 50% of the episodes have been building up other characters. Number two, the fact that this show has been dropping only one episode a week as it goes, for very good reason, because there's not a big library on DC now, and if they dropped them all, people would watch it and cancel their subscriptions. So that wouldn't play. So there's a reason that they're doing that, and I get it, but it also plays a role narratively in the fact that we don't get to watch four or five episodes to learn about these characters right away. We have to wait over time, and we have to have a podcast where you're telling me, well, it seems cool. But, you know, we only have met Batman and, I mean, Robin and, uh, and, and, uh, Raven. Raven, and that's it. Yeah. So I don't know how cool it's going to be, and this part is a little cheesy, but this part was pretty cool, so we'll see. Um, now that we've gotten to this part, you know, at the end of the fourth episode, we have a lot better sense of who everybody is and what the thrust of the show is going to be and the way the violence is going to be depicted and the way the enemies are going to work out and the, and the teams are, are being sort of set. And I think the show has actually done a really good job of doing that. Um, again, uh, not that I dislike the decision, but it is an odd move to have two of the four episodes being kind of backdoor piloty, you know? And, no, it really is. I mean, the Doom Patrol definitely. Um, well, Hawk and Dove could have been. It's and, not right now, and it's but it's not off the table. I think right. they did a. Re- I mean, they picked two really good actors to play those characters. Though it's what's funny too is that in both those episodes the costumes are very comic book accurate. Which uh, with the main Titans team they've done things to really deviate from, the, especially with Starfire. Starfire is nothing like she's in the comics. They did a totally different version of her for this. Hawk and Dove they look straight out of the Rob Liefeld run, which is also available on the DC app. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mickey Kelly is perfect in that role of Dove. I don't know the actor's name for Hawk, mm-hmm. but, but he's they're great. great. Yeah. Um, and then with Doom Patrol, they all look like they took them straight from the Grant Morrison Richard Case run. And um, also, I'd like to say too, we, so we watched the fourth episode right before recording today, but Rich had watched part of it this morning before he came here. And when he came here, he's like, so Beast Boy's room looks exactly like yours. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So I watched it. It's like the writers stalked me. They like a, they even have a line have a where refrigerator. They, he has a refrigerator, which I have in my room, which I always keep with sodas. Uh, and then um, he has this like um, poster from an old horror movie, and he's like, "It's classic films." I like to, oh, and he's just geeking out about all that. I was like, "Dang, this is cryptic," but <laughs> so yeah. that was fun. It's um, Alan Richson plays Alan Michael. Richson. Okay, yeah, yeah, and, um, but yeah, I mean, with the chemistry they have, and um, Hawk and Dove have their own comic and everything, you know, in both in a classic one and then the New Fifty Two one as well. So they could very well um, 
have a spinoff series with just them and i would definitely watch it but um but yeah that's really interesting the but like i said the narrative structure is really interesting because back when i we were talking about it on the phone last week and i said i wouldn't be surprised if they waited till the end of the season to team them up Mm -hmm. now they are teaming them up um by by next week's episode um, but even then, they're still very early on. Yeah, there's a little and clip where you see at the at the end of uh, this episode, like next, uh, what's on the next? What's next? Yeah, and they literally say we have to take on this threat. There are crazy people coming after us. Right. We need to train. So they're going right. to train as the Titans now, right. which is interesting. Another thing too is they're not the Teen Titans. No, Titans, the, yeah. two of them yeah. are adults. Yeah, and two of them are teens. I mean, which right? I like. I yeah. mean, you know, I I like how it's an. I mean. Because I, I was very skeptical. I mean, I said this in the podcast that I was really skeptical months ago when they first released the trailer, which a lot of people were. I still think that trailer is terrible, and um, and I mean the pilot is a little disjointed, but the show itself is really good. Right. Uh, and it it's just one of those things you have to like. I used to be a stickler for for any kind of adaptation. I'm like, I want this to be exactly like the source material. And that's not always a good thing because, like, when you're, especially when you, I would say this show does a great job of taking a comic book and instead of making it a comic book on film, it's a TV show with, you know, using a comic book as source material. And so it does things that mirror kind of like the Marvel Netflix shows and even other TV shows in terms of, like, you know, there aren't a lot of fight scenes or a ridiculous amount or anything like that. It's not this, like, really standard serialized formula. And it takes those elements from the books, like, looking at the Marv Wolfman run and then using the title of the current... Like, there's a book in DC Rebirth's lineup called Titans, which is the original team, team um, as adults. And so and, uh, and so that's pretty cool. Um, but, like, I mean, the, if you look back at the original stories by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, um, the most famous Teen Titans run that you know trigon is the main villain that kind of brings them together and um that that those early arcs are very much about raven's origin so it's still doing that but in a very different sense and it's take it did a really different version of starfire um robin to me and i think i said this last time it's kind of like a it's definitely dick but it's a culmination of like dick and tim drake for me because like tim is very much like that like he's well first of all he's a detective um and he also has that attitude of not wanting to become Batman, you know? Whereas Dick does become Batman eventually in the comics. So let's, let's talk about a couple interesting elements. Unless okay. you're, are you done with no, that that's part? It. Yeah, I just wanted to. Um, so let's talk about the flashbacks. Okay. Um, so these are... Uh, Berlanti is involved in this, although he's not, like, front and center. Right. Um, but they've had a lot of success with having shows that flashback. Um, this show does that in some really unique ways. One of those ways is Rachel... Um, Raven, one of her powers, when she touches somebody, uh-huh. she sees a flashback of their life, and I think it's like the most traumatic thing they've ever been through. It comes right. up immediately. <laughs> Unless um, she, she's meeting Dove and she sees her and Robin getting it on. Whatever's maybe most significant. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe everything flashes through her head and we just see the part that we need to see. Yeah. Right? We don't know. Um, but it does show really interesting backstory and this show is very reliant on backstory and how it informs the current day. Right. It uses that a lot. Um, especially with Dick Grayson. Um, his car has actually become a character in this show. Um, he has he drives a silver um, 911 classic 911 Porsche, 
and um, it has like a little jet engine out right. the back, which is pretty cool. But it's just this really slick car, not so ostentatious like a Lamborghini, but a classic but ride, cool. right? Yeah. Right, yeah. really classic and, and all that. Well, in, in uh, episode three, I think is the one yeah. we really see his his history at Wayne Manor and how it took him like three attempts to finally like accept you know staying there because he was you know his parents were killed he's angry he trusts nobody for good reason you know his parents were killed for probably some silly reason like money Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know and 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 different reasons like that um and he's just angry and so when he first gets dropped off at wayne manor he he just leaves he runs out and does some gymnastics off the tree which are pretty cool and then bolts um the next time he gets brought back there um, he steals that Porsche and is taken down by the cops um, after he puts them on a wild goose chase. Um, and then he's given another chance by Bruce Wayne, at, finally at which he sees a letter. And the letter says, um, Dick, there are better ways to take down your, you know, to, to, to get rid of the pain than revenge. And at least at that point, that's what Bruce Wayne was teaching him. Like, I can teach you the way to get rid of this pain in your life. And... Um, and then that's essentially what we're, we're led to believe the the point the turning point for him where he gives in and stays there, um, and that's also why he's so attached to that car, right? It has a backstory, but I think that and, and we never see Bruce Wayne. We only see him from behind, mm-hmm. um, which which is a smart decision. No, if, they, yeah. if they don't plan on going deep into that, then that's a good decision. Cause that's well, it's just like how is. they did Clark Kent in Supergirl season one. He was a bat. He was always referenced and. They never showed his face or anything, but like then he came was forward. in the in the shadows, yeah, right. Yeah. And then he came forth right. later. Um, but I, I mean, that's it. I think that's cool. Um, I think it informs a lot about the main character when you see these flashbacks, and then you they flash back to his face thinking this stuff through. It informs my understanding of him as a character. It does a good job. It's a little corny. It's a little YA. It's a little manipulative. But whatever, it does a good job. It does what it's supposed to do. Raven has flashbacks. We also see pictures of different people. Um, all of that stuff's really interesting. But how do you feel about the flashbacks so far and how they're utilizing the show? I really like them because it's not like I mean, I, you know, Arrow's tons of fun, but like especially after once you get you know to season four or whatever, it's just like oh gosh, I'm getting tired of these because it's a, yeah. right, right. Uh, although I mean, he leaves the island at one, but like, but he goes around. But still, it just it just gets so excessive when it's such a formulaic part of the show here they're used in just the right amount yeah and 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 different times at different times so it's not like you know oh it's you know five minutes in we're gonna have a flashback i mean no you never know when they're gonna pop up but when they do they play an important role and they tie directly into the narrative and in a really good way so yeah yeah i think they do a good job i never felt annoyed that i wasn't you know that's the thing right like assassin's creed the video game a lot of people were annoyed because you'll be playing this awesome adventure in Italy or Rome or mm-hmm. Italy, Rome is Italy in like Italy or Greece. Sure. And all of a sudden, boom, you get pulled out of the animus and you're in regular and you're in modern day doing some boring shit. Yeah. Like you, you were doing your adventure in Italy. Like right. leave me alone. Stay, um, me and so that. that is te- that. It's, it's more jarring when you're controlling a character, but yeah. you, even still. But it happens you to be don't want to yeah. get ripped out of the main narrative, and sometimes they use it, and it does annoy you a little. But it like it makes sense in the long run. In this one, it's completely seamless. I think they do a really good job with that. I agree. Um, and so I, I, I enjoy the flashbacks. Let's talk about the tone of the show um, overall. So I think what's really interesting is, although all four episodes have been very different in terms of that's why I wanted to give that overview yeah, at the beginning yeah. so the mm-hmm. first episode is just the two of them Dick and Rachel sort of coming together and the cop and right. but but let's talk about the elements that one had procedural elements it was all about Dick and his partner yep. um, we get introduced to um, 
Is the nu- no the nuclear family second episode right? I think they appear. A li- I want to say that. Well, they're the ones who kill Raven's mother, right? No, 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 that, no, was, that was that bald guy. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's hard that, to figure it out exactly, but that's I, yeah, I uh, was thinking guy. That's right. So no, I don't think we do. They come no, they in come in the place. Okay, yeah, episode, yeah, episode two, two and that's, that's right. the one where where we had introduced the nuclear family. But anyway, so the first episode is essentially you know Dick doing police stuff, right? And then Raven having her mother murdered and all that. That's like that episode. Then right. episode two is the Hawk and Dove one, which is like. This very like rambling them, you know, fighting crime and yeah. a lot of like you know teen superhero action and melodrama and you melodrama have the, the triangle with Hawk Duff and Robin. Right. So that's very different. And then also Raven is is feeling unloved and unwanted, right. like she's going to be abandoned again. And there's all that drama. Also, there's Dick using all this technology and that cool stuff. Yeah. So that's a very different vibe on paper. Yeah. Episode three, you're at the convent primarily with mm-hmm. Dick doing research off on the side, and then you know Raven and Starfire, uh, and Starfire hanging out yeah. at the convent, learning stories, and then you feel out these these nurses are kind of creepy, and you start I mean not nurses, um, nuns are kind of creepy, yeah, and you sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. you sort of feel something ominous is going to come, um, but again a very different and the right. flashbacks yeah, yeah. of of right of her of the history of her being there and, yeah. and what that was like and all of that, and then the fourth episode is similar to the second is is you get brought in to the lives of another superhero team, right. the Doom Patrol. Um, and in that one, we're fully introduced to Garfield, who hasn't been in any of them before, really, brings a really good element to the show. But anyway, the four episodes couldn't be more different yeah. from one another anyway. Yet, I think that the show does maintain a good, consistent tone. I think it gives us a nice punctuation of action scenes. I think it's great. The drama's there, but not too much. And it's moving the overall plot forward while also moving individual subplots forward at a good pace. I just think the tone feels right. What do you think about the tone? I agree. I think it, like when I was first introduced to it, I was thinking a little too dark. The violence is a little excessive. But, I mean, that's the tone. The violence has come back like, somewhat. Come I think it, somewhat. it's toned down a little bit. Like, I think at first it was a little over the top. And then it's kind of calmed down. But I agree that, I mean, even with the storylines and the structure being so different and kind of i don't want to say all over the place because it is connected and they are telling one story but you know in very different ways and there's no one central protagonist that we see um the lens through you know i mean i would say raven gets the most attention and is sort of the center of the narrative but we don't see things totally from her perspective no but we do are able to empathize very well with very much very much she's definitely the star of the show oh yeah if i had to say of the four i mean dick's second maybe starfire will really take her place but Uh and we haven't seen as much beast boy but i think all of that aside i think it's going to be the raven show this season sure now that may shift but this season, this is Raven's show because we know the big bad is Trigon, who's actually played by an actor called Seamus Deaver, who I love. He oh, was cool. one of the cops on Castle. So oh, I've seen cool. like nice. seven seasons of this dude. Sweet. Um, so it's going to be weird to see him as this this, this villainous spirit, I guess, um, entity, whatever Trigon is. Sort right. of like an evil, anyway, dark force. And another thing about Tone, too, I was concerned that it was going to be too dark and not have enough levity into it. And granted, there's not tons of humor, but I think there's just enough for it to, you know, give moments. It's not like you're watching a depressing show. I I completely agree. I don't feel in the least bit. I completely agree with you. I never feel depressed and pissed off like you even do in some episodes of Arrow. In fact, I've heard lots of them later are really down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what's interesting about that, too, is that like a show like... um, 
um, Inhumans, but also um, more recently Krypton. I don't even watch that because the trailer was the darkest dark of dark things that yeah. I've ever seen on Earth. And I really thought that that's what this was going to be also, like just dark and bleak. But it isn't. It's very light in terms yeah. of color palette. Like these last three episodes, it's been very bright right. and open and they're out in the sun and it's not dark and it's just really really light and fun and, and there's they're not cracking wise it's not legends of tomorrow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um you know where constantine is dropping you know jokes at every other line you know and, right. and, and puns but it's not dark and dismal like even the marvel netflix shows can be sure. like very much like has a fun so i almost say like the vibe is ya but maybe and then like the threshold of how much violence and how much cursing you can have is R-rated. Is R-rated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good description because it is a really hard one to describe to people because of that. Like, I mean, um, and I mean, like I said before, I mean, the Teen Titans comics, they're kind of like that too where, yes, it's a book about teenagers coming of age, them hanging out and fighting crime and trying to be their own superhero team apart from all the adults in the Justice League, but it deals with some really heavy subject matter and Raven's origin is as dark as can be. Uh, even the other characters have re- have just a lot of trauma that they've dealt with, and it does a. Fin- it's an amazing. It, it, I was always amazed by how writers like Marv Wolfman and Jeff Johns did that and made it accessible to younger audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is. I mean, if that uh, you know, all it really needs is some language and graphic violence, and it's easily R rated. Yeah. But um, yeah, and here. I think it does bridge that gap really well. I'm really enjoying the fact that it's R-rated, not just because of the visceral violence, which now that it's toned back more, I like the Uh idea that I can have uh, a scene where Starfire takes a knife and, like, sticks it in somebody's fist. Like, I like that I can see that. Like, that's cool once in a while, now that it's more punctuated throughout, as opposed to that first episode where the overall tone was darker, and there was a lot of blood flying everywhere. Not so much anymore, but it can be really brutal still, but just not, you know what I mean? It's, I but, yeah. but yeah. So I really like that. And I also like the fact that we were introduced to the Doom Patrol in this episode, and I like the fact that Robot Man, for example, who's always sort of cracking wise and sort of sarcastic and funny. In fact, this episode did have quite a few jokes. Now that I think yeah, about no, it, yeah, this because was of Doom Patrol. I think this was the one I had the most fun with by yeah, far. Yeah, definitely. Um, we watched it I, together, which also helps. Right, yeah. right. And even, like, I mean, there's a slightly shift in tone by the end, but it never went to, like, oh, my gosh, someone's dying here or anything like that. No, like, I yeah. Mean, I mean, yeah, when things got a little bit darker, right. I won't go into it because people haven't probably seen the final right, episode yet. Right. But, but, yeah, there's interesting twists and stuff that happened there. Um, and another thing I have to say about the show, too, is there are things that surprise me, but there are also a lot of things that are very telegraphed and very obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, the nun, it's very clear she's got some kind of ominous sure. intentions. Sure. Um, you know, the doctor, the chief, it's very clear that, like, he, he he's probably a good guy, but he might not be, and you don't know, and all right. that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of interesting aspects of that. But what I was going to say is I love that Robot Man can say the F word, like, at the right time. You know, right, it's right. like the difference between watching really crappily written R-rated stuff where they're throwing the F-bomb just to throw it versus something like this where they use it just perfect at the right moment to, yeah. like, you know, that's how people talk a yeah, lot of the yeah, time. Yeah. And that and it really heightens the experience. I think the R rating, as much as I would never have thought it would matter, has oh, become... Oh, we doubted it tremendously on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it's one of the reasons that I like this show so much because it's a differentiating factor. And especially a show like Titans, which is based on source material, while it gets dark and bleak at times, like you mentioned, and goes into serious issues, it's Teen Titans. Yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of, like, colorful, cartoony shows and comics... And this yet 
instead is it turns out to be the one show that is like the darkest that they well the excuse me definitely not the darkest the 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 r-ratedest that yeah, they've done yeah. and i like that juxtaposition i think it works really well to the show's favor um i think it's really cool yeah I, I just really think that's cool what did you think of doom patrol in general today oh i loved it i thought i mean that was the most i mean i i know i've read a lot of doom patrol i am going to now they're very like, interesting right they're kind of interesting it's just one of those it's one of those i've never gone around to because i want to read the grant morrison run and all the additions i found in comic shops are those huge omnibuses that like not that i mind reading big books but they're just a pain to hold you yeah know? They're, like, they're huge. The pages. Yeah, no matter who you are and especially yeah. comics like you're i'm always afraid with those i'm gonna break the pages you know trying to turn them and all that and so and then you've uh, got a destroyed yeah you, know, you have 50 issues that right, are right exactly yeah. yeah but they have you know several arcs of that on the app and even some of the older stories there as well um so i'm definitely gonna get into it but just from what I do know about Doom Patrol and the look of the characters, the aesthetic there was perfect. Um, I thought it was perfectly casting. I mentioned during the episode that I like that they really haven't gone for big name a- actors on any of the shows so far. I mean, most of them are, I mean, all the Titans are no names. Um, with Doom Patrol, the biggest actor they had there is Brendan Fraser, and he does the voice of Robot Man. Um, and I really like that because that it just gives, A, it gives, you know, lesser known actors a chance to shine. And B, it's just you're able to separate the actor from the character because, like, mm-hmm. sometimes that can be really hard to do when they cast all big names in a you know big superhero movie or something like that. Um, it just you know it makes it hard for you to get into that character because you're just seeing you know Paul Rudd or something like that, for example. Right, um, right. Which is which is definitely um, is definitely interesting. I I would say. Um, one more thing that's important to talk about about this show, I think, and then we can leave it here for now, unless you have other thoughts, yeah. is um, the villains. So let's yes. talk about the nuclear family. They're really interesting. Yeah. Um, basically, they're, they're this, like I said, like 1960s or 50s, like perfect, you know, mother, father, s- sister, and brother right. family. Um, the kids are like 14 and 15, you know. They're eating breakfast together, all of those Playing things. Monopoly yeah, at yeah. the kitchen table. Right. Being, like literally, it's almost like putting on a show of wholesomeness right. as much as you could imagine in like that like sort of nuclear fear era that sure. we always see um, where the sun is shining and the houses are, you know, it's very Stepford Wyvie. Sure. So they get a call that they've been activated and they pull out these vials out of this locked cabinet, which by the way, the show does a really good job showing that cabinet. So like the minute that the show starts, you see there's a locked cabinet in the kitchen and like that's not something kitchens have. Uh-huh. So it's like, what's in there? I, I was wondering immediately. And then he goes right over to it and opens it, pulls out four vials. One says like junior, one says sister, you know, and so each of them has their own vial and they shoot it into their arm and you see their veins like turning into like purplish and uh-huh. it's basically, and then when the dad says, who wants to go first? They're like, me, me. So they're like super wholesome and excited about horrible death. Right. You know, it's a really cool thing. And it's it, originally, the original nuclear family apparently were robots. I read. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. However, that like robot people, but this one, you know, at that point we, when I was reading that, we didn't know what they what they were going to be, but it looks like from the, um, uh, from what we've seen on this last episode, so um, and then also on the previews from the next is that there's some sort of manufactured human beings yeah, yeah. of some sort Androids, that, that like, they create, yeah. right? Right. Um, so, just their arc so far is they've been activated. Then they go after Raven. Right. Um, they're the ones who put um, Dove in the hospital. They throw her off the the ceiling. They, they win essentially. They get Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the beginning of the third episode. Um, Starfire tracks them down 
um, scorches the dad to death in a really big surprise that he's mm. just dead and gone. Right. Um, and then the mom and the two kids um, are somewhere else, and then she just takes Raven and leaves, and then they're like, well, shit. And that's the best you see of them, pretty much. And then well, in this last episode... Well, they, they go to that, like, a grandfather. That's in like this that. episode, isn't it? No, that was in episode three. Oh, they, really? They're not, they're, they weren't in, in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. So the end of three, yeah. they go to... Which is one of the, was the scene I wanted to talk about. It. So yeah, yeah. they go to this, like, grandpa type. Who, right. And he basically has this button. And it's, like, their doom button. I, we don't know what it is, right. but it's a... You know, essentially, he basically says, I was making omelets. It's very, like, that same vibe. And right. he's like, I'm making omelets, but... Um, I was making enough for, you know, five, and I only see four here. It looks like your numbers have dwindled. You know, saying stuff he everybody already knows, but just ominously, yeah, you know? which makes it all the more creepy. Right, yeah. right. And then they're just like, yeah, we, we failed, you know? And then they're taking their, you know, especially the mom is just taking it, right? And this guy's just like, you sure have. You know, there's no doubt about that. Well, any last words? He holds up the switch. And then the little daughter, who's like the most, always been the most precocious so far, she, say, she says, um, actually, I have a question. What makes this girl so darn important? And the mom's like, daughter, seen, not heard. Even though they're going to die. Like, they adhere to this this, this system of rules. Um, and then the guy is impressed by this, this evil F. And he turns around, takes his finger off this button, and just says, actually, I like that question from her. Um, and then he answers it and ta tells us why Rachel's so important, how she's going to be the invitation for Trigon to come into the world. Um, they don't say Trigon, but, you know, this evil presence, right? Um, and then she says, and the reason that this we finally get the cult's motivation, and, and, and then once we hear the world the cult wants to see, the little girl says, that's a world I like to live in. And he is the guy that Grandpa is so impressed by this that he let, spares them. And so in the next episode, it looks like we're going to see them have a new father created. Uh, very interesting. I love oh, sci-fi yeah. stuff like yeah. that. And no, he's not sci-fi. But from from Dick's suitcases, right. oh, and, yeah. and tech mm -hmm. to this, this is a sci-fi laden show. Go right. Ahead. No, I was just going to say it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's just like I always love when they do something like that. That you know, I mean, you know, from that scene, they're going to be bad and they're going to be but it's crazy. But I like that. I love that concept of like human-looking androids yeah. much more than just traditional robots. Yes. It just, it's so much more creepy. And yeah. That well, they have, they, a, they have, they have self-awareness and a vested yeah. interest in staying alive. Yes. So they are some kind of conscious. Yeah. Um, boy, so it's really cool. interesting to see where they go. And I like how it takes, because things like Trigon and all of that are really hard to do just from an effect standpoint and budget and all of that. I mean, they are going to have Trigon, but it'll probably be, I mean, different compared to the comics. But I like how they're taking the essence of all that and the creepiness and manifesting it into something like this that um, is, you know, easier to do for one, but also more creepy and I think better suited for television. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, my, my overall takeaway on this, and, and, and this is just where I am right now at, episode, at finishing episode four, um, I haven't been this excited about watching a superhero show week to week in a long time, mm -hmm. probably since a certain time when I was watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. And if I'd been watching Flash, it probably would have been the same way. But that yeah. level. Um, it I is... mean, it's the start of a new universe. It's introducing really cool concepts that are in many ways similar to the comics, but also wildly different. It has its own really unique tone. The actors are the really actors are charismatic. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's got a lot of really good stuff there. I'm incredibly surprised if you had told me this 
few months ago I'd be feeling this way I would have been like you're crazy because yeah, that show yeah. looks terrible yeah no but, that show looked absolutely horrible yeah and it's just every week it shapes up and gets better yeah it and, really it, and it really is oh oh and one more thing we didn't we didn't talk about yet Beast Boy yeah Beast he's Boy's awesome great. love him he's so good love him he's yeah. a geek he's a Kevin and me he's a he's this guy who just wants to have fun but he also has this good streak about him he wants sure. to do good and help people and and you know essentially he's he's not that dark i mean he's lost his parents he's got this this sort of you know a condition but, but he also has a surrogate family and now is gonna have a new surrogate family yeah, right yeah. right so he's really got a lot like going for him and he's really he's he reminds me of me and that i'm always trying to find the good in things and and you're like that too and 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 pointed out you know he's like he, there's this one great line it's probably the best line yet very simple it's one of the best lines in the show and it's where um he first really meets it's in this episode today before he first really meets raven and 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 you know sees her with this deer that she's really sad that this deer was shot by hunters and so am i watching it and she's petting it and just so sad that it's dying she goes it's gone and she's like welling up and then he just looks at her out of the blue and says you are not evil I know what evil is like. You are not evil. And then she goes, you don't know me. He goes, actually, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I do know. And, and I'm not doing it justice, but the line was so heartfelt and real. No, it was. And, and he it, reaches out his hand for her, and it's just, oh. And it was, it was just like, it was perfectly paced. Because sometimes, you never know, lines like that, moments like that can be so cheesy and stuff. And there, it just felt really real and tender. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, even in Flash. The Flash is a Flash phenomenal a show. Yeah, no, but it yeah. does a great job with that. But yeah, it yeah. has a lot of lines that land like, oh, well. damn, that's YA. <laughs> Do you remember in the pilot? They, I mean, oh my gosh, how many references they make to his speed and stuff? But like, no, second episode, he said, like, he looks at the team at the end of the big fight and all that. And he's like, you know, I just realized something. We were all struck by lightning. Right, like, that exactly. Oh my gosh. So those kind of like they're good because overall, in the long run, they sell it, and 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 he is corny like that. Yeah. But it, the writing is not as subtle or as good in those right. moments oh, it's as very this is. Hammered. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, all in all, I'm really enjoying yeah, Titans, yeah. and you know, seven more to go. Sure. And I watch them every week. Which who would have thunk? You know, you know me. I, I'm so behind on all that stuff. But right. This show, oh, I am a lot too. It's yeah, so yeah. different and yeah. and 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 new and 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 also the other thing about it too that's so good is i don't know these i know you do more than me Mm -hmm. i know little to nothing about the titans right so everything's novel and new love that well and even me i mean as someone who knows a lot about them because they are so different versions i feel like i'm meeting these ones for the first time there's so much discovery right Uh, the doom patrol like you're introduced to each one and they have personality and and then every character in this show is that character with a twist yeah Everyone, yeah, it's really, really, really cool. Like Robin's a cop, and he drives a Porsche. Like Robin doesn't drive a Porsche, you know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. doesn't here. Yeah, um, you know, and 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 Raven, I don't know the original character that well, so it's hard to say. I know Starfire is very different. Um, and then you know, Elastigirl, I was looking her up, Rita Far. and like in the original, she's just this girl who can just change size and sometimes can't control it. In this one, she's this. Oh, I won't spoil it, but she doesn't look like that. Right, right. Um, she's right. a very different, you know, corporeal form. Just everything's got a twist to it. Yeah, it's really, really cool. No, anyway, I think I mean, whether you're a DC gushing. fan or not, or just casual into superheroes, or whatever, I think it's well worth checking. Or out. you want to watch yeah. some YA with teeth? I keep yeah. stealing that from Sam Esmail, but he yeah. said that about this show um, on Netflix one time, and and this is also that. It's like YA with teeth. Yeah, it bites. It has. It has punch yeah anyway i agree cool 
Cool. Well, Where are we only, at? The only two we have left to discuss are Halloween and Haunting of Hill House. Which do you want to do first? Um, let's do Haunting, and then we'll okay. do Halloween. Last. All right, cool. So for me, this conversation is going to be very uneven because I've only seen the first one and a half episodes. Right. Um, why don't you tell me why it's so great? You finished it now, yeah. right? And then I'll sort of give you where I'm at and see if you can get me pumped. Again, okay, I'm going to try just because I feel like I'm going to be biased because of how much I loved it. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of my favorite Netflix shows. I mean, it's that good. But I don't know. Okay, so, well, first of all, the creative team was an immediate spark for me. I mean, I came in not really – I've not read the book. I want to now. Um, it's a but classic, like, it's, yeah. I know it's got – but, like – um, and I knew this would be very different, even even then. But the way by Shirley Jackson, I think. Right. But what drew me to this, Mike Flanagan is the creator showrunner, mm-hmm. and Mike Flanagan again did Hush and Gerald's Game, which Hush is one of my favorite horror movies. Gerald's Game is extremely well done. It's not the most enjoyable one for me, just be, for the content in it. I mean, it's I mean, it's wonderfully well written, has phenomenal performances. Um, but it is a, for me, it's just like, you're very uncomfortable watching it, which that's the point. It's not meant to be a popcorn, you know, horror flick, but, um, but regardless, Mike Flanagan drew me in. And so when I saw his name on here, so Haunting of Villa, I think what I love most about it, I mean, no one can deny that the performances are good. I mean, you, you would say that even just from the first couple of episodes, casting. I'd is- say they're pretty objectively good. Okay, I, I mean, I think they're phenomenal, but, like, especially, um, this might be Kate Siegel's best performance, and she's Mike Flanagan's wife, and she was in, uh, the lead in Hush, wrote it with him, and she also, um, plays a character in Who is she in this? Uh, she's Theo. Okay. So, she's probably my favorite, um... Is she the mortuary person, or the lawyer? The, no, the, um, well, she's actually a psychologist, she's the oh, lesbian right. middle child. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, the adult version. Um, and also the child actors are great too. They were, it's amazing how the child actors, they picked ones that not only look like the adults in many ways, like you can believe that this is younger versions of them, but they're just really good child actors. Um, but so the performances, but what I love about most, so it's like, it's a show about this family that grew up in a haunted house. And then now as adults is real is facing new real life horrors. And so... Um, and trying to come to terms with those. And so you have them in different places. Um, the oldest is a writer who wrote a book about their stories, which um, the other siblings hate because they think that he characterized them terribly. And and, and, and um, profited on their, and their, 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 their trauma. Yeah, and he's the only one who doesn't believe in the supernatural. All of the others At the do, beginning. At the beginning. Well, yeah, and for most of it. But, um, like... Uh, yeah, he's still like he still is the yeah. after the end of episode one. How's that possible? He still denies it, and so that no, 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 no. How's yeah. that possible? He, he's, no, really. How's that possible? He thinks it's a mental illness that they suffer from. No, no, no. What he saw, I know, but he's he's still deny. He's in total denial. Oh, he still thinks that what he saw was him his mental illness. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it's fascinating. What you know, so like um, so that's Steve. Then you have. Um, Shirley is the second oldest. Um, she's the, the mortuary, um, okay. mortician. Like, she, she like, very forceful, well, she's very like, strong-willed. She's a mortician, and she runs the funeral home, um, with, uh, her husband. Very strong-willed. I mean, she's the one who, like, you would assume is the oldest one, because she always takes a, 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 those responsibilities. Theo is the middle one. 
Um, she sleeps around. She's a psychologist, but um, lives. She shares like a um, a living space with Shirley. Like she lives on that. Shirley invited her to move. Right, in. right on that property, and so. Um, but she's also pretty distant from the others. Then um, trying to go in very worldwise order. though. Very worldwise, like. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the youngest are Luke and Nelly. Luke has become a drug addict, um, and you see, I don't want to. I hate to characterize him just as that though, because he gets a really interesting arc. By in episode life, one or one and a half, though, he's just a drug he's just a drug addict. But like that's the thing is the pilot, you only get really a snippet of everyone there, and then. The way the and then uh, I'll get to that in a sec. And then Nellie is the youngest. Um, I'm trying to think back what her profession was, but she's the catalyst for the show because she dies at the end of the first episode, and it appears to be suicide. Um, and so, and also their mother died when they were younger in the house, and they and fled. Right, and they fled, and they have a muddled relationship with their father. Especially Steve and the father. Steve blames him for you know whether he thinks that right. he killed her or not. He still he uh, blames for, and I don't want to get into that too yeah, much because yeah. that's another thing. Yeah. But um, but anyway, very dysfunctional family that's has this trauma in their past. But and is now they all communicate. They're all very like they're all very tied together, yes. even though they may be dysfunctional. Right, 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 exactly. So after the first episode and. So the second one sort of did, although it was kind of the Shirley episode, but I think she gets even more focused later on. Um, but episodes kind of three up, what they do is take you from the POV, uh, the perspective of each of the siblings. So episode three is Theo. Uh, episode four, well, I'm trying to think if that was Luke. and Yes, that was Luke. And then five was Nellie. Um, Steve kind of throughout, but he gets to, you learn his backstory more in like episode eight. Maybe I'm, I'm losing that because I, I binged it pretty much. So, I mean, I, I watched it in less than a week uh, and it's 10 episodes. Um, but it's just such a compelling try. It's again, it's one of those, I, you know, when you love something so much, you're trying to describe it to people, but you're like, it's just not good. You just got to watch it. You know, it's like that. It's hard to believe. So, so my experience with it has been, I watched the first episode and I was getting through it and I was like, this is pretty good. Um, you know, there's the dad and it's annoying, you know, to watch him sort of be such a numb nuts at times. And, you know, the family is, it's very, at first it was very hard for me to sort of figure out who was who. I was trying to figure out all, you know, all the siblings. Yeah, I know. And that, I, and, I got yeah. better at that. Well, um, it, it's very much like that in the pilot. You'll, because yeah. you don't really, you're, again, you're just introduced to them then. Right. And then you, you get, get to, to know, know they them are later. a lot more intimately. Right. Um, he's doing that debunking shit at that house for a right. large portion of it, which is fine, whatever, but, right. you know, and then there's that woman who's suffering, you know, in there and because of it. And then, um, the end of that episode is, is, is great. Um, when they have that big, you know, reveal or twist or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, wow, this show isn't fucking around. It's got stakes. It really pounds it. Um, and it's willing to do something that bold. Right. Episode two has just died in terms of steam for me. I'm trying to watch it um, with somebody, and that person is just like, they cannot enjoy the show with me. They're just like, oh, this mortuary shit. And it just goes on and on. And, and that episode is so focused on, uh, who's the mortuary woman? Shirley. Shirley pounding that little kid into seeing his dead grandmother. It's yeah. like 15 minutes of you gotta do it. This is just what you gotta do to face it. And then the flashbacks are good when it's her with the bird and all that. Right. But the rest of it, or whatever that is, a rabbit or whatever that was in the case. Or was it a oh, kitten? Yeah, kitten. kitten. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was that part was interesting. But like 
she just it's very frustrating to watch her telling this kid who wants to grieve in his own way that this is how you should grieve yeah it's really annoying to me and the person i was watching it with and then it's interesting with them because the shirley episode while that was like her episode i felt that you got to learn even more about her character and got to see her really shine later on so that yeah. definitely i mean it's I don't not even the call, best like, episode it's definitely not the best and like i mean i don't even remember that well because i i watched like two the first night two the next and then I like I skipped one day because that was when we went to see it, saw Halloween. And then I watched like two or three the next night, something like that. So I was done within a few days. So some of them kind of like jumbled together. together. But but, but anyway, yeah. that but that one is. And then also her husband, at least at parts in that one, is a terrible actor. Like he's like he's definitely he, not the best. He yeah, he he actually yeah. says to her at one point she's going to leave the room because she's decided that she's going to do the makeup for her yeah. dead sister. He's just like Cheryl, Cheryl. And I was just like, that is just terrible writing. His name's Kevin, too. <laughs> you don't write a character saying Cheryl, Cheryl. That's not what people well, that's say. Just what they call them. No, they no, call no, surely, yeah. sure. But yeah. but but here's what you would say. Sure. <sighs> that's what you say when somebody's not coming. Sure. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't say Cheryl. Yeah. Cheryl. And I mean and, and it's okay, I'm just yeah. telling you, I was watching it and it struck me wrong. It, 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 me saying it now is whatever, but when I was watching that part, I was like, God, he sucks. <laughs> and, and that writing sucks. And so there are just so many notes that are missing for me in episode two that, that are hurting me in getting into it. Now, that said, I love the dude. Um, Steve, I guess is his yeah, name. Yeah, I yeah. love that actor. He was yeah. in Nashville and he played like this sort of sleazy musician. He's really good. Yeah. He is a great actor. I love that guy. So he's almost charismatic enough to pull me through it. Um, I just need to get through that Mortuary episode. It's just a real stumbling block for me because so I know it's going to get better. It, not yeah. even finished okay. that one. I'm like halfway through and I keep putting it. I put it on I mean, three yeah, times. I, I definitely didn't do it as much, but like I didn't have a problem getting through it just because yeah. like the rest was so good. And yeah, like, no, no. I mean, I, I was you. I was pretty hooked from the pilot, so like I mean, I wanted. To, I was like, ooh, there's so much here. I want to know what's going. on. I mean, like there was. All, I mean, the pilot doesn't reveal much, but it set up so many questions that I. What, what are the questions? So like, so let me understand. So, to me. We know the house is haunted. We know, I mean, it's clear. Um, we know that, you know, some some evil force killed mom. What is the other questions? Why is it back? Why did Nellie die? Um, why is Steve still denying it, even though he had essentially the same experience as everyone okay. else? Okay, All Oh, right. oh That's for fair. me. That's so, fair. See, for me, that wasn't a question. I mean, that, there was so much to be... Uh, had I'm asking. Had. I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. What it, what's the intrigue? Yeah. Oh, I thought... I mean, everything about that. I mean, they, we only saw snippets of, like, yeah, I mean, they grew up in a haunted house, but, okay, why is it haunted? What exactly were the details of their experience there? You know, what really happened to the mom? Because nothing... Everything in the pilot is implied, but not seen. Yeah. And... Yeah. Oh, there's so much to be explored there. I mean, awesome. Where awesome. Are, like, and it goes places, right? And like, what? I mean, the family is very disjointed now. Why? Why is um, Steve's wife left him? But that I'm interested in. There's yeah. so much there. So like, and it all ties together. But, cool. Uh, very well. Very very well. So no, I didn't have that problem at all. Like, I mean, I, I definitely well, didn't again, have like you, anything you, answered you, I, to the pilot. You have to also remember though that. I'm not a big horror fan. Yeah, no, I know. I just don't really care about horror. When I see an evil spirit, I'm like, either they're evil, either in this fiction, spirits exist and they kill people, or they don't. Who the fuck cares? I mean, that's a problem that I have to get over. Like, I'm not saying that's legitimate. I'm just saying, like, that's when I see that, I'm just like, okay, there's an evil spirit. I can write a book and say an evil spirit haunted that house, too. Well, I grew up in a, I mean, like, 
You know, my parents were conservative. I didn't really get exposed to any kind of horror growing yeah, up. So yeah. I only got into the genre in recent years. Yeah. And it's definitely... I mean, this is the kind of show horror fans absolutely easily sucked into. Yeah, they just for go people crazy who for don't, it. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just a gift. So part of that is that, yeah, if you're not into the genre... That's fine. I think, you yeah, can still get into that's this. That's the thing. Yeah. I think it's the kind of one that really transcends. Cause that's awesome. For me, it's more of a character drama with a supernatural backdrop to it. That The supernatural is obviously really intriguing, but... For me, it's more like from the pilot. I was just intrigued with the characters. I'm like, why is Luke showing up after all? Where has he been? I mean, I know he's a drug addict, but like, you know, and why, why is he? Back why now? when he comes out of the building looking like he's stealing stuff, does he say it's not what it looks like? Exactly, all those things were like. And see, the episode on him shows you where he was up until that point. So it takes you like oh, it does, okay. So it does I, I, like all these scenes you've seen in the first couple of shows. It'll come back to you throughout the show yeah. and and take yeah. you from the other the character you didn't see and show them how they got there. And why. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I got to get through this one episode. It's just roadblocking. Sure, me. Sure. I know it's going to get better. I just everybody no, tells me my, it's I mean, so good. No, I'm not. It's, it's not just you right. that that's a little frustrated with me on this. It's everybody I meet. Yeah. that's like this show is insanely good. Yeah, like, no, you gotta through, watch that, the show. I mean. Yeah, okay, that's the weakest episode, maybe, but it's even then, it's hard to call it a weak one because, like, I, it just ties in really well to the rest. Um, but no, just watch the rest of that. I think once by the if you're not hooked by well, it's better by okay, five. Ep- five is the best one in my mind. Um, and I was actually talking about a friend; he actually liked episode six the best. So, like, I think from Mileage I mean, I was in, good. I was enjoying it from the beginning, but I think even. I mean, if you're not a five up, like it's just uh, it's yeah, it's hard just, to it turn just off. isn't hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, so. cool. All right, cool. cool. Well, I'm gonna well, get shot. I am at least gonna finish that episode and start three tonight. Okay. So I know like what's the deal with this show because I mean, yeah, I have a lot of respect for your opinion on stuff, and especially when I, I think I think part of your frustration here is thinking like Rich, you probably will like this show. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, you just yeah. need to like give yeah, it a yeah. shot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Because you don't, you're not saying at any point like this is probably isn't for you. You're, it's more like no, it should be for everybody. It rocks. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Cool. All right, man. Well, I think that leaves us with one more thing that we're a little different on. Um, but but either way, <laughs> I feel like I'm just gonna be like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. This was amazing. This was made this whole episode. So yeah, take my. I mean, I was doing that all. about Titans almost, not really, but I, I mean, mean, I guess I wouldn't put it into like that effect. But I did really have a great time with this one. So like, I mean, yeah, so this so, was everything I wanted to be. I don't want sequels for it, but that's it. We're talking Halloween. Yeah, Halloween it is. So um, just as a little backdrop, um, the original Halloween came out in 78, was it? Um, Star Jamie Lee Curtis, directed by... John Carpenter. And uh, it's like the quintessential... Actually, check on that real quick. I want to make sure it's not 75, but I know it's 70s, but I just want to... Well, we know this was the 30th anniversary. Oh, yeah, then it was. Okay, (laughs) So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, the original, anyway, the original Halloween was, was, um, was, I believe in 78, but anyway. It's probably the most convoluted horror franchise and maybe franchise in general. This is like the third movie called Halloween because there was the original, the Rob Zombie one. 78, And then this one. Um, yeah. Right. But that, yeah, so anyway, the original came out, then there were a bunch of sequels. Um, the third one was what, Season of the Witch or something like that, where it didn't have Michael Myers anymore and everybody was up in arms about it. Right, it's critically and fan panned across the border right right apparently though some people have gone back and said it's actually a pretty good film whatever yeah but 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 all of that said the series did a lot of stuff after that first one that like a lot of movies do where it got really convoluted so like for example in the original halloween it's just her 
and her all of her friends and sort of family, yeah, yeah. right? And then a slasher comes and kills everyone, and she's the only survivor. That's it. Yeah. Like there, and there's a lot of horror, and, and and it's fun, but like there's no like her like in the second one, it gets established that she's his sister. Yeah. Which is just like ludicrous, right? right? And 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 it 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 kills all other possibilities in so many directions. So anyway, with this one, they decided to scratch it all. Yeah. Um, and basically say Halloween one happened, nineteen seventy eight. 30 years have gone by, roll film. Right. Right? Um, and that's sort of the, the, the lead yeah. up to this. Yeah. It is Bloomhouse who's been doing a lot of really good work. Um, they did, not that I love this, but they did, um, what's Happy the one? Death <laughs> Happy Death Day. They also did Truth or Dare, which right. is pretty horrendous. But they did, but get, they out. did get out. Yeah. And so they have they have really quality as well. And this one, in a lot of people's minds, is, is, is of that very high bar. I don't think people are saying it's as good as it get out, but maybe some are. I don't know. I um, wouldn't say it like that, but like definitely sets the bar for like. Re- it's not happy for like day. no exactly for definitely such a new bar for a reboot um modern update of a franchise etc yeah yeah um so anyway that's sort of the the setup the one thing that i'd heard about it is that it's very good mix of um comedy and horror. horror um and drama right um and it, it really is um an interesting movie to watch it was certainly fun we saw it early in october um and, on release uh, day. October on release 19th. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. S- super fun. Yeah. Oh, super duper fun. Um, and we saw so, it at the Alamo where they had a guy dressed as Michael Myers come out. They turned off all the lights. They they well they played a little cool. they played a little reel from the first movie. Turned off all the lights. And then there was a scream. On, and then yeah. And then Michael Myers you is hear, standing ah! up there. And, yeah. and then he's got the knife. And then right. he runs off. Yeah, that was fun. It was it was it was cool. Yeah. It was definitely it was definitely the place to see how. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they also had like a clip from John Carpenter at the beginning where he tells you he's going to kill you if you have your phone <laughs> ring during the movie. I love it. Yeah. Um, they do all kinds of cool stuff like that. It's very very uh, uh, interesting. Right. But anyway, uh, so as a movie, just like give me your little mini review of Halloween. Well, like you said, I mean, in terms of the mesh of comedy and horror, a lot of that stems from the fact that it was directed by David Gordon Green, who did Pineapple Express, and he co-wrote it with. Uh, Danny McBride right. and one other writer and I think that team is really what made it what it is and of course bringing Jamie Lee Curtis back and the original actor for Michael um, but I had a great time with it I probably was a little overhyped coming out of it but that was because I mean it was my birthday I had a great time we had like that, it was just a perfect experience yeah, yeah. so like I mean I think I came out of it saying like Michael Myers was there Michael Myers was there this was like I had a great time as much great time as it you know stuff like that um, I, I mean, yeah. In retrospect, probably wouldn't put it on that bar. Yeah. But as far as you know, my favorite of the franchise, absolutely. Uh, uh-huh. Um, and one of, I mean, I'm a, and I'm not even that big a Michael Myers fan. Like I was always more Freddy Krueger. So I love you know the Nightmare franchise and more of the movies than not. Even I mean the sequels. Even um, I think that franchise as a whole is much better than Halloween. Um, even though I love John Carpenter, I think his best work is They Live and The Thing. Um, Halloween is kind of what he's known for, but I think he's made other movies that are better. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this is my favorite film in the franchise. Um, and yeah, and with the drama stuff, even too, like, I mean, this was a really good look at PTSD. Right, I mean, right. And, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is completely yeah. wrecked. Her life is wrecked. Her her granddaughter is kind of enamored of her and yeah. really wants to sort of, there's something in her that she admires. Right, but, but her, her mother mom, thinks her cra- she's crazy. Yeah. Right, and, and you know, to some extent she is crazy. Yeah. She's lost her marbles about something that happened to her that's just so terrible that she can't get over it. Right. And, and understandably so. And so she's anyway, been she, she's been preparing for his return, return and, yeah. and it culminates in a really cool, like, 
20 minute cat and mouse sort of showdown right which i wish had a more definitive ending um but i mean they're they're gonna make a sequel they're already talking about them yeah oh of course they're gonna make a sequel yeah yeah, yeah. the movie was massively successful massively just what do you call it because they've already had halloween 2 and i think halloween um, michael myers lives or you know just give it a name (laughs) name you know what i mean it can't be michael it can't be halloween 2 yeah but it could be halloween i don't know 2018 too yeah right i, <laughs> I mean, mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um or how about halloweens <laughs> make it plural Hall- <laughs> halloweener i don't know um halloweener I yeah it. or halloweenies or i don't know I right mean, it's it's yeah but one thing i thought was really good about it is the is the beginning i really liked the first 20 minutes of this movie a lot i loved the, the journalists the or podcasters right yeah. so we love the podcasters <laughs> i really loved them and i loved their accents and i loved how they're like these consummate like British podcasters right. or whatever they were, Australian British. Right, right. And and I love how they go to that facility where he's being held and talk to him and he you know, they they really build up the mystique of this monster really well in that movie. I loved mm. that the way that they did that. I felt that like I was really feeling the evil like coming off of him. Um, when they were there and just what that would feel like to be in his presence he doesn't say anything and hasn't said anything for 30 years since his capture but can you imagine the the being stuff the that's presence. going on in his mind yeah. and, and being in that presence of that so i just thought that was done really well and you know soon you know they're they're in his crosshairs and it's just it, it's it's a lot of fun yeah it's a lot of fun i i mean overall i you know as, as as much as i could enjoy any kind of slasher horror movie i think i enjoyed this right I agree. I mean, it was just one of those, like, perfect Halloween movie that it's just entertainment from start to finish. It's, like, a nice update on the slasher genre. And slasher, to me, is the most uninteresting, like, subgenre of horror. You're not a big Hostile Part 2 fan? Yeah, no. Um, but, like... <laughs> Torture porn. Right, right. No. I mean, it's, like, I don't like Saw or anything like that. I like Nightmare on Elm Street because it brings a psychological element to it. And it, I mean, especially by Nightmare 3, it combined... Isn't that Psycholo- like the dream catchers? That's dream warriors. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. It combined psychological stuff, humor, satire, all of these things into one. It's just so much fun. Huh? Um, I know you're. It's not for you, but yeah, it, yeah. But, but that's a new nightmare as well, which is where Wes Craven wrote himself into the movie and was like, it was um, meta. Yeah, yeah. Very. I mean, meta as can be. I mean, because it's it stars the actress who played, um, uh, what's her face, um. I totally blank. I should know this, but the protagonist of the first one, the uh, the um, the like, here, look it up real quick because yeah, that's gonna bother me. But anyway, like she's the star playing herself, and Michael, I mean, Freddie enters the real world. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Laurie Strode. No, well that, that that's in Halloween. I'll oh, oh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. No, Freddy Krueger. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, just the first nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but this one, yeah, it just. It had all those elements. It was great visually. Look at this. When you look up Freddy Krueger, huh. normally you'll see like a picture of like him, but look at the stupid picture that comes up first because it's near Halloween. Oh, God. Isn't that terrible? Horrible. It's a fucking, oh. it's a mask. It's a costume. It's a Halloween costume, but a miserable one. Yeah, it's not even a good one. Yeah. 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 Now there's what Freddy Krueger looks like. There he is. Yeah. Much Boy, better. he's, yeah. uh, he's a, that's an actor who played him was, was cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway... Yeah, this. I mean, I love the cat and mouse sequence at the end. Um, like Rich, yeah, I would have much preferred they, you know, shoot him with eighteen bullet holes right. uh, and just let it be done. But of course, they're gonna make sequels, and 
you know. So there was a fire, because mm. anybody can escape a fire easily. Right. I mean, there's a thousand ways he could have gotten right, out. Right. So annoying. Which, which, and you know what it stole from me? It stole the ending. Yeah. It stole the drive away. I wanted, when they were sitting in that truck driving away, I was like, dude, he's not dead. Where are yeah. you going? Yeah. I thought you you planned 30 years for this. He isn't dead. Go yeah. get him. Yeah. Because I know he's not dead. Oh, I so know, annoying. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Anyway. But, um, but yeah, there's, I mean, it was just, it was a great time. I, I would say most people who are fans would have seen it by now. I think it's called but... Marge, maybe? The, are you talking about the, the, the woman? Tina Gray? No, no, no. Um... Nancy Thompson? Nancy, sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's okay, alright. But yeah, that was annoying me, because she, she's the star of the first one, Dream Warriors, and then she plays herself in New Nightmare. Oh. And so, like, and and basically, like, the plot of that one is, yeah, Wes Craven's writing a new Freddy Krueger movie, but, um, and it, the events start happening. Awesome! So, yeah, yeah. So, Love yeah, those. Yeah. Love those. Yeah. Cool. So but anyway, needless to say, next Halloween, it's a must-watch for yeah. people. Oh, yeah. You know, just yeah. get it, watch oh, yeah. it. Um, it's it's a it's really cool and Jamie Lee Curtis really turns in she a great performance. Yeah. She's been doing a lot of slash. Well, all stuff. three of them, her, um, Judy Greer, and then the actress who played the granddaughter. I love that relationship. The the three of them that they're all in the final battle and everything. I, I just really loved that. Yeah, that was done well. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the uh, psychologist guy? Was he good? Yeah, he was. I mean, like over the top, but very fit well into the universe. Oh, wow. He's As of like, now, it's made more than $200 million at the Worldwide yeah. Box Office. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I like that. I forgot we mentioned that, but yeah, he's sort of, he's been studying Michael for all these years and can't let go of him and um, as such, he endangers... Um, things when Michael gets out because he just can't let him go. He can't let him be killed because he just wants to study him forever and it's like Michael has become his life's work. And so, um, yeah, I really like that as well. It was a nice subplot. Oh, and then last but not least, um, just to say, Andy Matichek played Allison. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, all three of them And were Nick Castle reprised his role. He was the original... Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael. Right, so. right. Cool. Alrighty. Well, hey, man. That was wow, that was an epic episode. Was. We had a lot to catch up on. We did, we did it. Um, so, anyway, on that note, uh, where can people find us in person next week and where can they find us online? Next week, we will be at NC Comic Con Bull City in Bull Durham, City. North Carolina at the Durham Convention Center. Um, we'll have tons of fun. We're going to be doing a panel on podcasting on that Saturday. Um, we'll also be doing, I'm doing some other one. Well, you and I are both going to do one with Jeff pa- Parker and Doc Shaner about their book, Future Quest. Awesome. DC. Can't wait. Um, and then I'm going to be on a disabilities one that Saturday before our podcasting one. And we'll be there all weekend just hanging out. Cool. Awesome. And, um, and then you can, and then find, you can find us. On Twitter, Facebook, you can find me on Twitter at, at KWShape. You can find me at Rich Lepore. And then our main website for everything at thejoygeek.net. Beautiful. Uh, on that note, I am Rich Lepore. Kevin Schaefer. And we'll see you soon. Take care.